Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. There will also be spoilers for various anime throughout the course of this episode. Please use caution in case we discuss a series you haven't finished yet. Finally, the opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and may not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Enjoy the show! Welcome to Dub Talk, the show where we get together to celebrate a brand new couple who's arriving onto the anime scene. Under the cherry blossoms of this fine day, we have gathered some very good friends to help inaugurate our cute new anime couple. First off, we have Amon. You make my heart go doki doki, will you be my valentine? Or wife, either way. <laughs> we have... Gigi. If you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. And Andrew. I'm gonna be that person at the party who's gonna make crass comments about how their babies are going to be eugenically perfect. And I am Megan, and all I want is to see our happy, happy couple in today's show have the softest and sweetest lovemaking ever presented to film. (laughs) Alright, time for me to actually put my gremlin voice on. Ahem, hello and welcome to Dub Talk, the show where we get together and talk about the greatest and latest of anime dubs. And tonight, this episode has been requested by our lovely Patreons. Yay! Thank you, Patreons. And not just one. We want to thank our two lovely Patreons as it takes two to tango, Anthony Brown and Carly Lestacow, for bringing us together to talk about the 2023 hit summer anime my happy marriage the context there was one person had already requested it and then another person requested the same episode at the same time and then it was like who are we to tell them no and then i was like did you want to change yours somebody's already picked that and then they didn't and then this one got voted so now it's like all right you know what it's both of your episodes now congratulations you get to cohabitate on this one together which seems fitting Yes, uh, so we're actually going to talk about Netflix, who actually made a day and date simuldub for once. Yeah, what the oh fuck? God. That's, that's, that's crazy. And, and not only that, they did it for a shoujo show, and everybody universally went, we like this, we want more. Isn't that crazy? I feel like my time is coming. Like, I feel yeah. like the good vibes are happening all around. <laughs> Turns out you uh you can make a, a compelling romance show when you don't throw a dude white bread into another world and give him slaves. Um The the bar is in hell, but you know what? Sometimes you need a good, strong, powerful man with a ponytail to raise the bar up in his arms casually, tenderly, gingerly, and make you feel like you had ovaries when you didn't even have them before. Remember, kids, man, I feel like a woman is not a song based on what's in your pants and biologically, it's based on a vibe. <laughs> Shout out to all our scrambled egg friends. Um, so, 
Let's go over the very, uh, the plot summary to My Happy Marriage, which is Mio Saimori is the eldest daughter of the noble Saimori family. But as an ungifted daughter of her father's desp despised first wife, she is treated by a servant, like a servant by her, her stepmother and half-sister. When escape comes in the form of being offered in marriage to the infamously cold Kyoko Kudo, Mio has barely enough left in her to hope, assuming that she lacks spirit sight, she'll be rejected and die on the streets as her parents intended. But contrary to everyone's expectation, Mio is not universally loathed, and her betrothal offers her the most precious chance of all to learn to stop hating herself. Uh, as somebody who's been on the Depresso Expresso, this show uh, came for me emotionally and physically. I can imagine, yeah. Uh, and uh, we're here to talk about its its dub. So are you guys ready to just, like, rip that band-aid off? So, I was gonna say, this is an interesting show in a lot of ways, because I went into this because... I had heard really good things about this work, and the fact- Specifically? Specifically for me. For me. I think I was, like, the one person who was like, shut the fuck up, this is anime of the summer. I heard some people who were talking about how this was a really good, like, very critically claimed work, and I heard that its anime was coming out. I was surprised to see Netflix picked it up. A, because, you know, shoujo period piece on the surface, and B, Katakawa- because Katakawa did that thing where it's like, hey, uh, we're not going to give our shows to the companies that pay us the most money. We're going to give our shows to the companies that are more than happy to work with us and cross-promote and coordinate and really improve the brand of... No, it's about the money. It's about the fucking money. They've worked with Netflix and Disney and given them stuff now. It's about the money. Yep. Shoujo drama on the surface, but supernatural elements underneath, and it was awesome. Yeah, the supernatural thing was kind of like a big, like, the first episode was very unassuming, and then it was just like, oh. Oh. Oh, wow, this actually is very supernatural. Yeah, I thought this was just gonna be like a historical drama about, like, maybe a little, you know, sort of familial political intrigue, that kind of thing. I'm like, wait, he fights, like, monsters? All right. I thought I thought it was gonna basically cool. be, like, period drama in the same time period as, like, Golden Kamoy or Demon Slayer or Mars Red for a deep cut for all you people, but, uh... No, oh, no it, this it, is it, set in that same time period. It is set in that same time period, but it's a lot more fantastical and supernatural. And for the sake of tonight's conversation about the entire show... I know the term they use is GIF. These are all their GIFs. But, for the sake of tonight's conversation, and for a lot of thesis that I'm going to bring up, I'm going to Alt-F the word GIF, and replace them with the word QUIRK. And a lot of what this show is putting down is going to make a lot more sense to a lot of you. Andrew, you can you find a replace with Control-H. My joke... <laughs> <laughs> my joke because I wanted coming in thinking I'm gonna get Camu and I came out with Todoroki you, you, my back hurts just thinking about it let's talk about the dub though let's talk yeah. about the dub yeah yeah can I can I can I uh, Alman go ahead first and then I'm taking back the rages of this carriage about what you were gonna make a comment no I was making fun of Andrew for not knowing the shortcut for find and replace <laughs> That's all. I'm sorry, I'm not the most technologically literate dad. 
Well, you should try a little harder, son. <sighs> Amon's gonna take you to Excel classes now. I hope. I hope you're. I hope. <laughs> I think. I think his, uh, his speakers just spontaneously grow a mustache. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. <laughs> a mustache and a a mustache and a hatred for the Boston sports scene. Uh, the, the teams are fine. It's the fan bases that are terrible. And the radio. Well, let's not. I, I, I don't. I don't listen to AM radio around here. It's a terrible idea. At least no. you didn't grow up in a Mets Jets household. Ooh. Can we yeah. talk about girl things now? Thank let's, you. All right, we can talk about girl things now. <laughs> but there are hot boys in sports anime, Gigi. Yeah, have you? Have you? That have will you be seen, for another time. Have you seen the hockey section on AO3? Have you? No, I wait, haven't. There, wait, there's a hockey Gigi. section on AO3. According to of my friend, of course there yes. is. Hockey is hockey is the most like I'll be real as somebody who is both into sports ball and anime. Hockey has the most like hot dudes in it. Ten minutes in and like, we're already hit Ao three. <laughs> listen, man, have you ever seen a picture of Henrik Lundqvist? There's a reason that that man made uh, most men in New York gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm not wrong, Andrew. All right, I'll take your word for it. That man is like. The f- it's like a fucking Swedish king. Uh, you know who's a king? You know who? You know who's not a king but a queen? Our director, our awesome ADR director, and that is Tia Ballard, and she's being assisted by Eugene Young, and the script is by Caitlin Elizabeth. Uh, Tia Ballard, you'll know as the director for a series such as Akumakun, the A3 uh, entire franchise, all spring and summer and winter and fall, whatever those are broken up into, and the Royal Tutor. Uh, Eugene Young has assisted on series such as Akumakun and Oku, the Inner Chambers. And Caitlin Elizabeth has written for seri- written for things such as Demo, Memorial Keys, Re-Cutie Honey, and The Prince of Tennis. Uh, so who wants to kick us off starting about the direction and writing? Guys. Oh shit, am I alone? No, <laughs> no we're, we're here. <laughs> I, I, just, I just asked just no, somebody no to one, talk, no and one. there's dead silence. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, oh god, did the internet disconnect? No, I was also being I was also being polite because I am usually the loudmouth that talks for five minutes and steal everybody else's points, so I decided to sit down and let somebody else take the turn. <laughs> oh my god. All right, all right, all right. Is, is, oh, is this what it means? To be- is this just a room full of fucking, uh, introverts? No, this is called, I spend three days at a business conference and I'm tired of talking. Um, alright, I'll- I'll talk. First of all, Tia, um, I have missed you because I haven't seen or heard you do anything in a hot minute, my Uh queen- she is now living and working in LA, specifically with Ayuno. So yeah, yeah, it's been a hot minute for me because um, I don't watch a lot of Netflix anime at all, other than JoJo's. Um, but I'm just gonna fall back on some comments that I continually make when I watch Tia Ballard directed anime, which is uh, kudos for casting actors I've never heard of <laughs> again. Because I have not heard of a lot of people who are in this dub as main characters, um, especially like Mio. I bravo on that. Um, 
So like, I don't know, I wrote a lot of notes about this and I compare this anime a lot to like a bakery, like it kind of like ramps up like and like it's soft and slow in the beginning and then it ramps up and gets really hot and kind of like explodes towards the end. And I kind of feel that way, like with the directing, like it's very like calm and slow and a little traumatic. And then it like just goes a little nuts towards the end zone. Um, and I liked that, although I will say it was a little hard for me to get into the first couple of episodes. And this is mostly a fault on nobody who worked on the English side of it. I just like, why is Mio so mousy? I don't get it. Like, why is she the way she is? Is it really that like traumatic that she just is the way she is and it has I remember, nothing to do with anything. I remember you telling me before that you just in general are not a very big fan of Cinderella stories and this is quintessential sw- Cinderella through and through. Yeah. Oh no, I love Cinderella stories. I'm more Little Red Riding Hood because you know I got a wolf thing, but like... Gigi <laughs> <laughs> has... Gigi's into some very naughty stuff. I, uh-huh. I, I like... I like fairy tale retellings. Once I realized that that was pretty much what this is sort of towards the beginning i like got more behind it but that has nothing to do with the dub it's more like a critique of the series itself um as for the writing okay so like i've been trying to watch the story of cyan koku for like what 10 years <laughs> 12 years <laughs> something ridiculous like that because uh, i don't do historical dramas i don't do period pieces I don't like anything in the past that's trying to like absolutely be in the past because I get really bored a lot. Um, and so the writing, I'm not going to say, you know, it, it is what it is. It's the source material. It's a period piece. I felt the writing was kind of like predictable for the period piece drama, which is fine. And I'm not saying anything bad about it. It's just, it is what it is. Um, it felt very serious to me and like, there weren't a ton of jokes in there. So the funny moments that were in there really stood out in the dialogue, which I appreciated a lot. Um, unfortunately for me, there were like some unintentional comedic parts, <laughs> which is like, whoops, I laughed, probably shouldn't have. Um, but the one thing I do want to bring up, and I'm still confused about this, is I'm really confused about the ending of the show. Because it seemed like everything was going to go like one way. And then all of a sudden it made like this hard right turn and went towards a happy ending. And I'm like... That's what we call the season is over and we're not sure if we're getting a new one right away. But we did. I know we we got another season, but you can't exactly go back and correct that. Because like Arata was like hardcore be my wife like i'm gonna protect you forever and then all of a sudden he was like yeah you know what never mind and i was just like what yeah no i i I was watching it's like did did they plan this with like 13 episodes and then lose one and have to like right wish a bunch of stuff it (laughs) felt like there should have been a little more time yeah i think it's that at first they probably weren't planned to get a second season and then all of a sudden like this blew up and they're like oh shit we actually have to make more i thought that there could have been a way in the writing to like I don't know, cozy that up a little bit and I, just I, make it I just more cl- seamless. I, I just want to clarify, when you mean writing, are you talking about the show writing or the adaptive writing? The adaptive writing. 
Okay, okay. Because I, like, just that I literally thought I fell asleep. And I was like, no, I've been awake this whole time. Like, what did I miss? I rewound it. Like, I had to rewind it three times to try and figure out what was happening. Like, I just felt that there should have been some kind of, like, if we're going to veer right and make this turn, like, so dramatically, that there should have been, like, a bigger moment to say, hey, guys, wait a minute. We're not going down bad guy black butler street instead we're gonna go back to the beginning and let the prince come and take her so i was just like there should have been like something bigger there you basically just assumed that dramatic plot point should have been finished a little more finitely than the hard swerve to kudos dying basically yeah there's there's from what i understand um there's a lot that the anime kind of changed. Okay, that makes sense. Which doesn't in itself surprise me. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's it makes certain characters seem a little bit more sympathetic, or maybe they didn't cause things. Because from what I understand, because I I own the novels, I just need to like you know actually fucking read them. So obviously, there's a spoiler alert for this. Yeah, we're gonna talk so about the show. The, yeah, yeah, there's a spoiler alert on this for obvious reasons. So in the um, novel version, from what I understand, when Kudo goes into a coma, it's not actually a, um, it's not actually the monster's fault. It's more Arata's fault. And they change that for some reason, Uh. because eventually Arata kind of switches sides to become good. And not, you know, be a fucking creepy incest control freak. So basically they decided, okay, we need this guy to... The goal is for this guy to not be a complete and total piece of shit. We need to... So that when he... So that when he changes sides that he is not... It doesn't feel as swift. Okay. Swift, yeah. Okay, that's... That's... That's strange, but that's at least not a terrible choice in regards to... Okay, I think we need the audience to at least kind of be at least somewhat on board with this guy at some point. So I think that does definitely be like, I, I, I at least get that in, in regards. I mean, but- and that's, and that's fine. We can be on the Arata is a good guy train if we would like mm-hmm. to, but what I would have liked I'm to see. I'm fucking not. I hate that man. Oh, I'll, <laughs> I got words, but we'll wait for those. Um, like if that, if that's the way the story is going, that's fine. I personally wanted some kind of like, vocal cue or some kind of dialogue Mm -hmm. cue or something other than like the tiny pause we got before oh you know what just go go rescue your coma boyfriend like I wanted something like there was nothing there for me to like latch on to and I think like in the adaptive writing or maybe even the directing there could have been more of like a a transition I guess to get to that switch but other than that I mean everything is is fine like it's not my cup of tea genre wise but I did not fall asleep so 20 out of 10 for that like I do with every time I try to watch the story of Cyan Koku which Mm -hmm. is not the same but in like a similar what is you keep saying that what is Cyan Koku Okay, so if you're on Amazon Prime or RetroQuest, it's also called Color Cloud Palace. And it was an anime that was licensed back when Genion was a thing. I think they did two volumes of it on like the four to six episodes of DVD thing. And then they dropped it. So like you've never been able to see the full thing. They dubbed it too. You've never been able to see the full thing in English until it just got released a couple years ago on streaming. Okay, Canadian dub. I'm seeing some Black Lagoon people in here. Yeah, it's like, um, 
there's like a palace and she's like a teacher or something. And it's got a lot of politics and stuff, which I find really boring, but it is what it is. There's, there's a lot of different <laughs> genre demographics for that stuff, for sure. Yeah, there was a lot of things to keep you get me, like, entertained. I'm so, no, just, just, just the minute Gigi said it has a lot of politics, and it's like, oh, this is terrible. This is not what she wants this for. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I want the drama. I don't need the paper drama. Now, here's the thing. When, if you put Gigi and I in, like, a court palace drama, like, and asked us to watch it, Gigi's there for, like, the part with, like, the romance and the court thing. Mm-hmm. I'm here, I'm the one who's interested in the, holy shit, how are they gonna fuck each other over with, like, pieces of paper? Yeah. No, uh, no I'm, just, I'm, I'm imagining Gigi watching something with, like, you know, like, the old men are talking again. Get back to the cute people. What is this? This is why I can't watch Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> Gigi does not understand the appeal of old men historical yaoi. Good to know. I mean, like, every other word in my notes says daddy. So I have to, like, differentiate between the daddies. But when they, like, have actual children, it's not as fun. So that being said, I'm done. (laughs) Okay. Got it. So you like daddy in vibe, not daddy in actuality. Yes. You want all of the fun of a daddy without any of the baggage. Yeah, I don't need, like, child support payments. Like, we don't need to go to court for that. Like, I just want to be like, daddy, daddy, do, like Amelie singing up in that song that's on my Spotify unwrapped for 2023. And be cool. like, daddy, yeah. daddy, do you? I, it's from that anime I don't like. It's Kaguya-sama. Kaguya-sama. I know what you're... Kaguya-sama, yeah. Yeah, because she's in that show, too. Okay, so, I, I want to at least throw in one thing in that conversation that I feel is worth mentioning, is that I think in regards to how things work at the specific studio this was recorded, there is a casting director that I want to give her proper flowers to. Uh, her name is Rachel Slotsky, and she has actually worked on a number of NYAV Post and current era uh, Iuno Studios dubs. And she's worked, she's done a lot of impressive polls as far as the stuff that studio has directed this year, which, honestly, I think the casting in this is a really interesting production, because as you mentioned, it's a lot of people that are relatively new either to the anime sphere or almost like pretty green to voice acting in general. And I think a lot of them are some pretty fun, surprising, and frankly kind of inspired choices that... I was actually, like, pretty impressed with. I think it's also impressive this is a same-day simuldub, because I will say, I get the impression that, like, obviously when you're working with a simuldub, including one where you have the materials early, timing is a key factor when it comes to production of this kind of stuff. Like, people are pretty used to that by now, but there's obviously little... The most I can say is there's little kinks here and there. And by kinks, I'm not talking about, like, the kinks you think I mean. I mean, like, actual, like, little kinks in the fabric, so to speak. Where it's like, there's a couple of lines here and there where it's like, that seems a little clunky or so. But then you're like, oh, they did this on a pretty impressive timeline for day and date with the show. So I'm a little more lenient in that regard. But honestly... The directing and the casting of this is really strong. There's a lot of very compelling characters and a lot of really interesting casting choices that, honestly, 
were really impressive, including what I'm going to give props to probably one of the more impressive double casts I've seen in a show this year, which we are going to give that actor some flowers when we get to them, I tell you what. Um, this was a fun show to watch. This was something where it's like, oh, I hear this is going to be pretty good. I'll, I'll give it a chance. I kind of want to actually support the fact that Netflix did a same-day simuldub, so I, I kept up with it weekly. Well, I kept up with it when Netflix remembered that I was I was logged into the correct account, and it's like, are you sure? Are you sure you're watching this from the main Netflix account? Maybe you should make your own account. Give us more money, fuckers. Like, fuck you, Netflix. I really liked this show a lot more than I was expecting to. I'm a sucker for some good romance, some good tender romance, with also some very good drama that does not downplay what trauma does to a person and how that would impact somebody's being. With also some pretty... This show actually looks really good. I... How do I say this? With all due respect to the shoujo fans and lovers... The anime industry is not always the... It's not. It's not always the kindest in regards to divvying out good people for the job. Like, I, I say this as a big shonen anime fan. A lot of the nutrients for, like, the big bombastic shonen adaptation productions get a lot of the good animators and, and directors... But this is actually a really good-looking show. Like, it's gorgeous art direction and some impressive action animation cuts? Like, I didn't expect that for a show called My Happy Marriage. I really enjoyed this show, and this dub was kind of one of the biggest surprises for me this year. I, I really, really enjoyed my time with it, and I can't wait to talk more about it. Mm-hmm. Amon? Hmm... <clears throat> What to add? I guess it's a very well done dub. I, I was not watching this day and date, because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not organized enough to do that anymore. What, what am I, 12? Same. 15? Did I go to high school? No, no, I don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, I miss it too. This is a very well done dub, though. I, I think this is a... like the, the direction's really good, the writing is really solid. Um, the casting's really good. Like I, I really enjoy this show, too. It looks like a nice, fun show. Uh, it's, like, really well put together. It didn't feel too predictable. Uh, it was very cathartic, especially in the middle. I like that. Um, like, the complaints I have are pretty minor, and they're basically kind of the stuff we talked before, where it felt like the second half of the story felt a little compressed for some reason. And, like, I have not read these books. It could just be that, like, that, like, I... Not to get into spoilers, I am happy they didn't go from... Our lead heroine is gone from being in a shitty family situation to another shitty family situation because that would be kind of boring. Um, but it did feel like it resolved a little quickly. But like that—that—that's kind of minor in the long run. It was like, no, this, this is a good show. It's like well executed. I like these people. Um, I don't know because I don't watch a lot of rom coms anymore. It was just kind of nice watching people being like, oh, it's adorable, and they're too embarrassed to admit their feelings to each other. How cute! I, I'm not even Aren't sure you I too would adorable. Call- Oh, they are uh, so sickeningly sweet, adorable, but... Fucking kiss, you dumb wanna, shits! I wanna, wanna, wanna rub their heads and tell them what good kids they're being. It's, I'm not even sure if I would call this a rom-com. That's, it's that's just... True. That's, it's that's, that's, that's true. Just rom- a, romantic, a romantic drama would be more accurate. That's true. 
Like, it, it is funny, and there's some very funny characters, including uh, uh, Godo and uh, Kudo's sister. Which, those are delightful characters we'll get more into later. Hazuki! Hazuki, yes. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, it's just a very charming show with people... It, with some people that I would give the world for, and people I would give less than scraps. I believe at one point I said I wanted to, quote-unquote, string a character by his balls. Well, that could be anybody. <laughs> it, <laughs> we're all trying to find the guy who did this, says, quote-unquote, not Arta Tsuruki. No, we're just trying to find that guy. Is he in the hot dog costume when he does it? <sighs> See, I hate that I can imagine him in the hot dog costume trying to act all coy and, like, calculating. Now, now, Mr. Kudo. We're all trying to find the guy who did this to your fiancé. It could be anybody. It could even be me. But it's not me. This hot dog costume's an illusion. Um, this- I used my spirit sight pow- I used my powers- I used my quirk to turn myself into a hot dog, and then cloned myself into an army of hot dog gunmen. You can't take all of us. Turned himself into a pickle is funny as shit. <laughs> oh, sorry, Almon. Go ahead. Um... I don't think I had any further thoughts. Like, it's a, it's a, good, it's a good show. This is a really well-crafted dub. This is the kind of, like, talky, emotions-based dub that I'm often bad at talking about because a lot of it's like, yeah, this is good. I believed everything. <laughs> Everyone was extremely yeah, right? convincing. Good job. I d also, I realized I gave my flowers to the casting director, but I really did forget to say, you know what? Tia Ballard's a veteran in this industry in many different departments, and honestly... A lot of the stuff she's done over the years is very underrated, so I'm really happy to see her getting to sink her teeth into some really, really strong material and delivering absolute A-plus work. So I'll go. So one of the things I want to say is that as somebody who owns the novels, I will say they are not very thick. They are fairly thin for a light novel, and you're wondering, Megan, but they're light novels. How could they be thick? Um, you should see the way that this is printed compared to, like, 86. Like, 86 has, like, 86 has, like, a good chunk on this fucker, and they're from the same publisher. Um, and then I also recently picked up The Agents of Four Seasons, which is also from Yen Press, and that is also a fairly hefty light novel. Um... But I want to really shout out, like, Tia and Eugene did a really good job directing. I think there's a lot of really interesting performances in here. I like taking the risk on, for the leads, like, not necessarily two total rookies, at least in Kyoko's, ca Kyoko's case, uh, but definitely in Mio's. But I actually really do want to talk about Caitlin's script, and that is that a lot of a lot of people don't tend to realize that when you're watching a script for a show like this or say like a Demon Slayer where it's not like it's it's weird. It's like a lot of people don't think about how much goes into the scripting of these historical shows. And that's because I think just in general as media has really shifted a lot of period pieces are weird to just about everybody, at least on, like, in the U.S. for some things, where they don't necessarily think about how the way people speak and their mannerisms go into dialogue. 
So for me, who's like, hi, I'm a little bit more familiar with stuff because I like historical fiction. I like watching stuff that takes place in like the Taisho era uh, in historical back pieces. It's you have to pay attention to the script because modern slang being there where it doesn't or super modern phrasing being there really stands out. And it's like it'd be like the equivalency of dropping like Riz in a Western. (laughs) Like it's going to stand out because there's different ways to get across that same thing that feel much more time period appropriate. So I really want to compliment Caitlin's scripting on nailing the time appropriateness of things, as well as taking into account a lot of the specific ways that Mio addresses people uh, and how other people address her. And that is like the lords, the ladies, um, the way that they get that across. So Don't forget my lord. My lord. My lord. Uh, so, yeah, I have to agree with a lot of what else has been said. So let's move on to our first set of characters who might as well be the first half of the show characters. They are the Saimori family and the Tatsushi, Tatsushi family. Oh, wow. This is both just the Saimori and Tatsuishis, isn't it? <laughs> the Tatsuishis. Um, so the Saimori, let's go for the Tatsuishis first. They are basically like the Saimori's neighbors. Um, they are a distinguished family with a gift and they decide that they are going to marry their second son, Koji, to the second daughter of the Saimori family, Kaya. However, Koji has always had feelings for Mio and has seen Mio being abused over the years, and all he wants to do is free her from her pain and suffering through any means necessary. Uh, He's kind of the only one that's really there, because uh, his brother, his brother, uh, Kazushi, uh, Kazushi, is kind of off being a flirt and a a dandy, I think is how Kudo Kudo calls him. The modern equivalent is he's got big man whore energy. Yeah, and he's dressed very overtly and he's in with all the fashions and stuff. Um, And then there's their dad, Minoru, who is pretty much aware of everything that's been happening to Mio. And he eventually finds out that Mio's got the Ubisa? Usaba. Usabud blood, and he's mad that uh, the dad of the Saimoris hit it because everybody wants the powers of the Usaba family because they're super strong among gift wielders. So he's like, well, fuck that shit. We're going to go get her back from Kudo. We can't ha- let Kudo have it. And he kidnaps her and also manipulates Kaya. And to go over the Saimori family, they're also a big noble family led by Sunichi Samori, who... Family came and bailed out the Usabas when they were in financial straits to get a hold of the Usaba bloodline from his first wife, Sumi. And he basically planned on basically pumping her full of kids until she died. Which she, he was basically like, all right, I got her slightly expired from the store. Gotta make this work while it lasts. Yeah, and doing that, and he's... Uh, knowing that he was going to do that to her, Sumi sealed Mio's powers away so Sunichi would never find them. She died. Then he married Kanako, 
And Kanako hated the idea that Mia was even there because she had, I, I guess, always been in love with Sunichi and saw Sumi as a house wrecker and a home wrecker. Had Kaya. Kaya, it, and she's a, she's the abusive stepmother in this. Kaya is the asshole sis- half-sister who believes that her beauty and the ability that she could see at a young age made her more powerful and more useful than her sister. And the fact that Mio is now engaged to Kudo and that her fiancé himself only really loves Mio and not really her. She kidnaps her back, helps her get kidnapped back and abused her. And eventually she kind of gets what's coming to her. It's a very cathartic mid midpoint. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So going over these characters, we have Kazushi is played by Ryan Colt Levy. Minoru is played by Mick Winger. Koji is played by Michael Lors. Kanako is played by Erica Schroeder. Shinichi is played by Richard Tatum. And Kaya is played by Lizzie Freeman. Uh, Ryan Colt Levy, to go over him, he also plays another character in the show, which we'll get to, but I'm only going to do characters for one of them. Uh, he's characters such as Loki in Record of Ragnarok. Silera uh, Cy- into Your Eternity and Burgess Olsen and Bem Become Human. Mick Wingard is characters such as Gary Strudham in Baki Hanma, Sonosuke Nakajima in Mars Red, and Kane in To Abandon the Sacred Beast. He's also the sassy talking uh, flowers in Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Yes, he is. I did not actually find any ANN credits for Michael Lawrence. I think this is absolutely his first anime, as far as I could see. Yeah, um, Erica Schroeder, you'll know characters such as Veronica and Arte, uh, Toriko Kise in Oko's Inn, Kelly Stonewar in Emma Victorian Romance, and yes, she was the original Four Kids Luffy. Uh, Richard Tatum, you'll know his characters such as Jin in The Cagister of Insect Cage, and the Jester in Genshin Impact, and Lizzie Freeman, you'll know his characters such as Sumiar Hena in Love Live Superstar, Chisato Nishigiki in Likoris Recoil coming to Tsunami soon, and, Ku- and Mujika in The Promised Neverland. All my homies hate the Saimori and Tatsuki's house. So, yeah, this this show and this period piece is not shy to say that the politics behind marrying to get the strong family bloodline and quirk marriages are kind of amoral immoral, and completely fucked up. Good lord. This this is where a lot of the good, compelling, like, if you like period drama stuff, the political marriage aspect of this is very compelling and equally as heartbreaking in a lot of ways because it's basically my genes and my, my powers would make such good children that would make us rich and profitable for years to come. But because you are quirkless, we will use and abuse you and demean you and bury you into the dirt while enabling our other child. And be like, she's so gifted and perfect and giving her his compl- Oh my god, there's so much to dive into. Uh, which family should we go into first? Your choice, man. Uh, I guess, I mean, like, let's start with the Tatsushis, just because they are kind of, like, the lesser of the two families, and, like, let's be real, as much as, as much as we are talking about, uh, about Kazushi, he kind of barely shows up. Kazushi! so sad for that, though, because he was, like, my favorite character. Yeah, I really thought he was gonna do, like, season two, I guess, I don't know, IDK? Probably season two. I just think 
he's a good lad. He's just a very fun-loving dude, and I wanted I wanted to see scenes of him just having nights on the town with all the brothel girls and probably getting shit-faced. Because you can That's tell. what the Apothecary Diaries is for. I wanted him to get together with the sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Uh, yeah. I, I can't say that would be a much healthier relationship. Camus sister, not the other, not the mean sister. Camus sister. Sorry. Oh! Oh, you uh, wanted him to hook up with... Okay. Oh my god. I write my Oh, there would be... There would be... Hu- Oh, that would be hijinks of plenty, and you can tell that sex would just break all the cots. <laughs> Gigi, Gigi just opened Andrew's third eye. God, yeah, just a little bit. So, Ryan Colt Levy plays two characters. Kazushi is a little more of what I more associate with Ryan's range, but I think it's a delightfully... He's a much-needed, like, levity in a lot of this pretty early drama stuff. And you can tell, like, Koji's kind of a bit of a sad puppy, sad sack, dealing with trauma and the fact that he's going to live a very unhappy marriage where he's going to have six kids and probably either him or Kaya is going to go out poisoning each other. Maybe at the same time, you never know. But but Kazushi's just kind of like, he's just kind of a fun-loving dude, but he's also there for his brother. And he's like, yeah, no, dad's kind of being an asshole right now. If you gotta do what you gotta do, you know, do what you gotta do, man. I'm, I'm just here. Stop being a bitch about it. And Yeah, but I, I really like Ryan as Kazushi. I think he's a lot of fun. Uh, Mick Wiggert is a very talented actor who, I feel like people, he's one of those actors that people might not know one single role, might not know a specific role he's done, but every time I've heard him in anime and games and TV series... He's just a really good actor. He's been a lot of stuff. And, no, yeah, he he gives it his all, and he's really good. I quite liked him in that. He's the stern, strong family, ma- family man who kind of just, yeah, his own hubris and, ro- and just dooms everybody. It's like, how dare you be holding out the good genes on us, you motherfucker? I'm going to break this shit down to get what I want. And he literally broke that shit down. How dare the batter being used on her not be from my family's baster? It's literally just that, it's, I keep going on about that, it's just quirk marriages. This is basically the final evolution of quirk marriage storyline in My Hero Academia. It's like, what do you mean she had that bloodline? It doesn't matter if she didn't get it. That shit passes down through genetics, you stupid motherfucker. I don't care about your fucking blonde bitch of a daughter. She's a prissy princess. No, I need that dream weaver shit. My god. Uh, I mean, look, I'm exaggerating a little, but am I wrong? Really? I just, it, like, I just don't like the whole aspect of that. Like, I just found... This this daddy like deplorable like I just don't want to talk I don't want him anywhere near me or anybody living and breathing like these slime ball daddies like I'm not a fan like you know me usually I'm like hey you know bad guys are great and then this one I was just like mm, you sound I, like a slime ball and that is great like kudos here, to the acting the, but I'm just here, like I don't the, I don't want to be involved. The reason it's slimy because while the while they're using what is basically X Men powers or like My Hero Academia quirks 
as, like, the template for what they mean? Bloodline family, like, eugenic shit exists for real and has existed oh, for real. We call them the Hapsburgs! I know. Like, it, I just, I hated it. Like, I, like, that's why it's so uncomfortable and so scummy and evil, because it feels real, because that is real. And you could tell that Minoru in particular would do that thing from Django Unchained, where he's trying to argue the shape of the skull means that they are lesser than we are. I think the thing that is so good about the performances here by, like, Daddy Daddy, like, Daddy, and then, like, the other Daddy who, like, just impregnates people all the time, is that we're conditioned to think about how deplorable and how hideous, like, all of this is because poor Mio's mom, like, basically offers up herself as, like, a breeding ground just so she can save her family, which is, like, a very noble act, but at the same time, like, that's horrific that that's something that she had to do in the first place. But, like, there was that one scene, and it was a flashback, and um, I want to say it wasn't, like... Was it the scene where Mia was born? I think it was like right before then and he was talking about how that Mio's mom was like really sick and he's like yeah I just plan on trying until we get that power like trying to like have baby after baby after baby and like there was something about the dialogue and like the tone of voices the tones of the voices in that scene that just made my skin crawl so (laughs) it was is it because he basically says it like it's like like, nothing oh yeah and I'm I'm going to go get the eggs. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to go pop out children until one of them has powers. And I'm just like, oh, what? That like that made it even more like skin I, itchy, you know? I, I know we're talking about Tatsuishis, but it always stuck out to me where it's like you see Mio's mom going through the act of childbirth, like with all of the. Uh, I, I forget it. The, the maids. I wasn't sure if that was because I wasn't sure if I was the term wet nurses was a thing or if I'm. Oh, oh, those are um, those are midwives. Midwives. That's the word. Why did I think wet nurses? Because it used to be a thing. Okay, cool. But I, it just always stuck out to me where it's like the the child was born. He is only looking at the child and just kind of half heartedly says, "Hey, good good job, team." While like. The woman he did this to, his loving wife, he just, he, he doesn't even look at her. He, he doesn't even acknowledge her or, like, congratulate her. It's it just, good job, team. Got what I want. Same it's time just, tomorrow. It's just gross. I don't like the it's evil so daddies. Gross. But, it's like, the so gross. were so good. Like, God. if you but can yeah. make me hate a daddy, like. That's, you're doing a good job as a You're doing a good job. <laughs> Which. Uh, sorry. So, Ryan is really good. Mick is really good. The one I really didn't expect, though, Michael as Koji. This is an actor I knew nothing about. I'm unfamiliar with any of his work. He kind of impressed me, actually. Because he's got, he's got some pretty good beats, especially when he's facing off against his father and realizes, oh, there's some fuckery afoot. Because he basically is kind of like the meek little boy next door who feels weak, defenseless, and powerless 
to do anything to stop the hand that has been dealt with him. But, like, when he gets angry, he gets pretty angry and vitriolic at his father. And then, like, lashes out and throws the furniture with his mind, as you do. But, no, like, Michael's got, like, a very impressive wrath to him in that moment that it really wasn't expected for, like, this very soft-spoken, meek, and, I guess in some ways, slightly pathetic guy. But I do think there's something kind of, like impressive in that performance that he's still seeing the hand that he's been dealt with regardless even when he's talking to his wife where he's where she's just like just fucking leave me be let me rot it's like no i'm gonna save you not because you deserve it but because mio is going to blame herself if you die so for her sake, I am going to save your undeserving life. And it's like, ah, this is a very, very toxic relationship. Just actually toxic, but <laughs> it's compelling drama. Like I said, yeah. six kids and they're going to resent each other. Like, like you think those hate my wife boomer comics are one something. This is like, you're on, like, I hate you so much. Please die. But I really That's assuming they even get engaged. Yeah, but Michael is was a big surprise and honestly pretty impressive arc in and of itself. Uh, Alman, you want to go next? Yeah, let's see. What's, what's, uh, uh, Tatsuishis. Yeah, no, I, I'm trying to think of what else to say. <laughs> the dad sucks real bad. Like, I agree. He's, he, uh, <laughs> Michael, Mick does a great job with him. It's like, uh, like he, I think he's not as overt as um, Shinichi, which, you know, we'll get to that when we talk about him, but it's just like, eh, you're, you're a crappy old guy, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, you're a crappy old guy. Um, this is a, you can tell where this man votes. <laughs> uh, do they have voting in Taisho or Japan? I don't know. Anyway. It's more of a metaphor, but you know what I mean. I know, I know. Um, yeah, he's, he, he sucks, and he's, it makes very good at it. Um, Ryan's a lot of fun, and I, I do like the little bits of the dynamic we get between him and Michael, just because you could tell that, like, Michael is, part, part of Michael's problem, or part of Koji's problem is clearly that, like, his older brother, who should be off doing older brother things, does not want to, and clearly he gets, like, kind of bootstrapped into a bunch of it because he's, you know, an available warm body. Uh, and it's clearly, it's like, why do I have to do all this miserable crap? Why do you get to go have fun? This is stupid. And part of his arc, I think, is realizing that he's not quite as powerless as he feels like he is, which is nice. Um, I kind of hope, like, I hope Kazu Kazushi is in whatever future season we get more, just because he's fun, and I do hope we get more of that relationship. It looked interesting. Um, he is like, he is basically the figurehead of that family ever yeah, since it fell to yeah. rumor. And he's just, he's kind of just basically Kudo's assistant for the rest of the show. Oh, that's nice. I don't know, I liked Koji's little arc as just, like, a guy who has clearly spent a lot of his life feeling like he can't do anything and kind of scraping his way towards, like, no, I can take action, I can, like, I do have power in this, I am not just a handy living peon for my, uh, you know, corrupt, manipulative father. Uh, I think I think Michael Michael plays that up very well. It's it's fun it's fun watching him and Kudo just, like, go wreck shit later in, like, the middle I of the season. I actually did want to shout out that I actually think his last line of the show is, like, pretty early on, but I actually think you, you it's a very good cap to his arc, which is basically just, well, time to start over again. 
Which was like it, it was a level of like hopeful optimism, whereas like he's stuck with his miserable wife and the fact that he kind of. I, I, this is something I didn't realize, but Steph re- pointed out to me that uh, Mio lets him down softly in the fact where he's like, "Do you remember what I said to you that day?" Where he's like, "I'm I'm sorry that I couldn't be the one to save you," and she's just kind of like, "I don't know what you mean." And it's like ah. Yeah, he, he's a very gracious loser in the romance thing. And I think that's also why he says it's time for us to start over, because I think he does fully intend on marrying Kana or Kaya and rebuilding the Saimori house mm-hmm. as a better place than where they left mm. it. Which, that is a very solid arc for that character, which I, I think the ache is a pretty interesting, compelling arc, to, for sure. I think they did a good job there. Uh... You got any more thoughts on one? Uh, no, I think I think we covered everything already. At least, for, at least that I thought and I uh, thought was interesting. All right, Gigi, your thoughts on the rest of the uh, the family for the uh, the <laughs> the, uh, the Tatsu. Okay, so first of all, why is Kazushi like my favorite character? And then the fact that uh, I didn't realize that Ryan Colt Levy, the man with the best headshots in the history of life. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. Can you please put that one up? Like whoever's editing this, where he's like looks like he's in a library and like drinking like an old fashioned or something. Because that's like my favorite thing ever. I forgot. I, I, I forgot what episode we were on where you were talking about how hot he was, and literally the other day he posted a shirtless selfie, and I'm like, ah, oh, it's gonna be. <laughs> It's gonna be fun doing this episode with Gigi. What? <laughs> I didn't see that. Um, it's on his Twitter. If you want, have uh, fun, girl. Uh, uh, may- maybe later. Uh, but uh, I have to focus right now. Uh, yeah, no, he was my favorite character. Loved him. I want to go out and party with him. Like everything about him was amazing, and I can't believe that. Uh, he played another character in here that was completely different. Uh, what in the black magic? Welcome to dub talk. I may have welcomed him before. I don't remember, but I don't want to welcome him just on like the basis of having a really creative headshot. So, so good. So good. Um, also the dude who plays Koji, first of all, let me tell you how much I hated that last scene and made me scream at the TV when Mio like totally blew him off. And I was like, you bitch, how could you? And then I wanted him to like put up more of a fight and he just didn't. And I was like, are you, are you Uh, kidding? I'll say something that'll make you probably want him not to put up a fight that they did not put in the anime, but I'll do that in my section. Um, I was just really mad. I was like, what? I was like, why? Why? Because, like, I don't know. Like, that was, like, the good, cute way to go. And I was like, oh, man. Like, I wanted some drama. Like, some... But kudos. Like, some two guys and a girl. Good love triangle drama. And that wasn't going to happen. And I was like, okay. I'll let that go. And then it did. I, I it love did. how you're, you're... Yes. I was surprised. Gigi said, you're like, ah, oh, damn it. You ended that in a healthy way. Fuck you. Look, I want some entertainment in my anime. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it, this is like the part where I was getting kind of like boredish, so I was like waiting for something to happen. And then and then a man with glasses. Then Glasses Coon came and we'll talk about him shortly. Um but I would like to give a big huge shout out to Lizzie Freeman who brought the big Ojo Sama oh. energy. 
Oh man, oh we didn't even get to the Cyborgs yet. I was like, I, holding off. Oh, I'm not, know, I'm going all in at once cuz I wanted to I wanted to do my thoughts. Oh, sorry. I didn't know we were separating them. I just thought everybody else didn't have anything to oh. say. I was like, "Oh no. I have oh, so no, much we were, to say." We hey. Okay. All right. Then I'll go back. Sorry. I just, I just wanted to I just wanted to get my thoughts. I just figured it was easier to talk about them separately for a little bit because there's going to be so much with the Cyborgs. Oh, I didn't have a ton. I just had big Ojo Sama energy, but I liked her. Okay. Um, but no. I I really enjoyed like the dude with the candy, like he was good. Cozy. Yeah, like that. The performance was good. People like big vanilla boy. I felt like Stephanie should date him. Energy. So what? Like, oh, <laughs> Megan got that joke. What? <laughs> Andrew, my dude, you need to listen to some Dub Talk back catalog episodes. What? The f- <laughs> the f- it, I'm sorry, Andrew. It has it, nothing to do with you. Listen, there's. There's, it's nothing to do with you. It's to do with the three girls' taste and energy. Steph would 100% probably want to go for Koji. I'm actually surprised Gigi didn't go with who I thought she was going to go with. And we all know that Kudo is essentially made for we're me. We're waiting. We're, we're still waiting. There's more to come. Don't worry. Uh, but no. like I really I, I really enjoyed all of these performances a lot. And then I'll, now I'll wait while I... Sorry, I'll be very quick Relentlessly about this. I try to restart I just my phone because I don't have any bars and it's really pissing me off. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to be very quick about this. No, go for uh, it. I really liked Ryan's performance. I thought it was very fun to see him be kind of the horny dandy type. I'll have more to say about Ryan in a little bit, like a lot of it. Um, Mick as the dad, I don't think that he was like, Listen, he was the, like, more overt sleazeball. I don't know how you don't think that man's a sleazeball after he literally burns down his neighbor's house so he can get a girl to just get impregnated by his sons. Like, fuck that shit. I, I'm glad that Kudo gave him the thundershock. He thunderclapped his cheeks. No, that man doesn't deserve, deserve to have his cheeks clapped by anything ever again. Um... And then Koji, I actually was really impressed by Michael's performance. I thought it was a little, it took a little bit to, for me to get on there because I think the nerves were a little too high on his performance. But by the end of it, I 100% believed him. And I really think the thing I like the most about his character is that he does believe in Mio's happiness above all. However, I am with a lot of people who read the light novel that I don't like one of the changes that were made about his character and that I think it plays more to why Mio likes Kudo so much and why Mio is so happy with Kudo is that everybody around her besides Kudo and maybe like the the Kudo family really doesn't believe in Mio having her own agency to make decisions and to free herself from her her pain or to like pick herself up because apparently in the novels uh, Koji's idea of freeing Mio is to kill her and then kill himself. <laughs> yeah. So, I will say having more of a conversation about Koji's arc has at least put a little more thought into that specific mm-hmm. thing. Because I was told about that, and I was told, oh man, just you wait about this guy. And it's like, adaptive changes happen for a reason, and it's basically just that, that yeah, little bit of internal monologue where he's like said that was omitted which i don't think it was a bad okay 
Here's what it is. I don't think that was a terribly bad thing to cut, or at least I get why it was cut. But I do at least yeah. think the idea of him thinking the only way to free her is to leave this life is that Koji yeah. doesn't think he has any agency or power to change, which his whole arc is realizing, oh, I have the agency and power to change. I was just too afraid and I lost the girl I love because of it. Now I gotta face and, forward and, and change. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that. I'm glad they left it out. Fuck that. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, like... I, and the thing that I like about Koji's arc is that even when... Even when Mio leaves... Uh, it's true. I, like, I genuinely feel like he was trying to at least try to love Kaya... She's just, you know, an enormous, enormous bitch. So let's get to her. Uh, fuck this girl. <laughs> like, fuck this bitch. Like, uh, apparently the anime actually ups her bitchiness. Yeah, I love that. I can... <laughs> See that? That's that is, funny. That is, that's Which... that's funny because I, I an impression I've been getting so far is that this adaptation has niced up a lot of aspects of the story. Not not to bad ends, just it has. So it's very funny that like, oh, you, you know, this just like impossibly foul lady yeah, she was she's, she's worse here Ma made koji yeah, slightly I... better made arata slightly better made kaya even worse and the thing is i actually think that it works to make her worse because a lot of the a lot of the 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 mon the novel puts her as at least in the abuse of mio as her at least the part where she gets Mio gets kidnapped, that her mom was doing most of it and not her, even though it is completely her fault that Mio gets kidnapped because she gets manipulated by uh, the head of the uh, Minoru by, Ko by 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 Minoru because she is an awful spoiled jealous child, and she's a child that you you see that has never actually faced any genuine hardship in her life. She has been given everything she ever wants, and she is a bitch about it. And I think Lizzie's performance is just such a 10 out of 10 for this character. Because not only is it, like Gigi said before, kind of the big Ojo energy, it also is so childish. Like, the scene where she finds Mio in the, in the town, because Mio went shopping for the, cor the braided cord materials... And she basically just tells her, like, just kill yourself already. Like, nobody wants you. And you'll never actually be good enough. And then she kind of plays it off like, oh, we're just old friends. Bye! Um, and then she sees Kuna for the first time and is like, I want that dick. Her, her joy is such a bitter, spiteful one. Because she has a she has a loving relationship with her family. She is in a rich family. She is hitched with a good guy. She she has it all made, but she has been taught. She has had it ingrained into her that her happiness is built on the belittling and suffering of her less deserving sister. So the and idea others. that she can be happy, that she has anything, that she walked out 
of the Saibori household. A beaten, broken, traumatized girl and is now walking around a happy woman wearing gorgeous clothes, having a servant of her own calling her the mistress, and with a husband who's a fucking hottie that cares about her? That fucking destroys everything about her, and she can't have any of that. I think the other thing, too, is I think Kana's happiness, and I'm sorry if Gigi and Amon are talking too much, is that even her happiness is built on other people that aren't her parents being miserable. Because she's a jerk to Koji. And Koji, like, she's like, oh, you're only with me even though you like my sister. And he's genuinely trying to be nice to her and stuff. Because he knows that this is just how life, unfortunately, is with political marriages. So he can at least try. And he's a shit to her, too. And she's a shit to him, too. She really is, yeah. I'm just still impressed that's Lizzie Freeman. Yeah. Uh, Amon and Gigi? Any thoughts on this oh, character? Kaya, uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you can probably go into the rest of the Cyborgs, too, as well. No, yeah. Absolutely. I, it, Lizzie is delightful in that uh, Kaya is just, just, a, just a rotten, spoiled child. It's one of these things where, like, I'm not even completely mad at you just because it's clearly, like, you're like this because your shitty, shitty parents raised you this way. You were enabled and told you are better than somebody else directly. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you, you, like, like you're, you're bad, you're old enough to take consequences for your actions, but you're also the result of having your head filled with all sorts of nonsense. I almost feel a little bad for you. Not, like, a lot, but, like, you didn't end up this way by accident. Um, speaking of her parents, though. Oh, God, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about Erica first, just because I, I like, I like the way that Kanako is just awful. She's a lot more upfront with her awfulness, just because she is. She's such a fucking stepmother. Just Jesus Christ. In in the most like aggressively like fairy tale like presentation of that character type, she's so nakedly terrible and so just petty and vindictive about it and erica it, she plays her like a character on dallas it's great oh my like, god so the the, the, the prime the prime Thank time you. soap energy is amazing like it's it's great i could see this in a telenovela now that i think about it yeah look she 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 is absolutely kind of i don't know enough about dallas to make some on-point comparison but like just <laughs> yes, no i exactly. get exactly what you mean just, mm. Like it's it's really good. I I really enjoy that aspect of the character. She's so just nakedly conniving, and and you know, and but the son of her husband off the hook. He's just as bad. He's just a little. He's a little more subdued, but he's just as rotten. Uh, he's politician just, evil instead of Disney evil. Exactly. They're just, they're just such ter. They're they're almost a perfect match for each other because they're just terrible, shallow people, who to be honest aren't even very good at being evil. Frankly, no. Like, like the the funniest thing to me is, like, uh, Minoru coming over to Shinichi. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? What do you mean she's part of this lineage? It's like, well, she doesn't need powers. Like, who fucking cares, you idiot? What are you doing? <laughs> like, use your brain. But then it's like, yeah, he's just mad that, like, oh, that wasn't the woman I actually loved. That was the baby factory. So... Oh, my God. The baby factory. I know. They're... they're it... They they are terrible and they're real, they're their actors are very good at being terrible. It's kind of fun watching them be like incompetently terrible. Like that's 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 always very funny to me. Like a bunch of evil people yelling at each other because they're not doing a good job at it. 
I love that you said big Dallas energy because I was going to say big Melrose Place energy. Yes. Which is similar, but more recent. And let's be mm-hmm. real. Will anybody who listens to our show get a Dallas reference? No. Listen, maybe Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Look, <laughs> if any of the actors working on this show find this episode, I'm sure some of them have been around and know what Dallas is and will be very appreciative. Which character in My Happy Marriage do you think shot JR? <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just saying because I feel like Melrose Place now might be old enough that most of our audience might not know what that is either. But it had a reboot. <laughs> no, he did it. What I about that? Yeah, so did that oh. Oh, no. They both oh. had reboot. That one I did know. Could about. we? I get. I guess I guess if we're gonna like really like get to the kids of this age, can we compare this to like Euphoria parenting? I don't know what that is. I don't. I haven't seen enough Euphoria I, to know if it's if it's. That, oh my god, that. you guys were old. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I had that last year when a bunch of bunch of albums that came out my senior year of college all turned ten, and I'm like, no, no, I can't, no. Oh man, really? No, no. It's not true. That's impossible. Wait, what do you mean that one Foster do the you, Peaceful album is ten years old? I, what what happened? Do you guys want to have? Do you guys want to feel ancient? I already do, but go ahead. Uh, so I have a co-worker who was born in 2000. Yep, there we go. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's not, that's not it. Anymore. Okay. <laughs> no, no. So one of my friends made, uh, one of my other co-workers made a Benjamin Button reference, and she asked what Benjamin Button was. Dang. Oh, fuck. To oh, be God. fair, I've heard of a Benjamin Button reference, but I couldn't tell you what a Benjamin Button reference is. Okay, I one time said that Moulin Rouge was a movie made for her, and then I realized the reason she hadn't seen it was because she was an actual baby when oh it came God. out. <laughs> oh, man. I told my sister-in-law I enjoyed shopping at Marshalls and Home Goods. I, those are I can't still around! I, those I are, hit it. I hit adulthood. Are... I don't like it. Yeah. Look... I can't pre- I can't pretend I always understand what's going on with the Zoomers, but I admire their energy. I'm good for those kids. Is Kaya a Zoomer? Yes. I like her big Ojo-sama energy. I like that she's mean and evil, and I'm glad that she turned it up a notch. I love the dub performance here. God, Lindsay, Lizzie is so good, she's but it's even... so cr- good in this. Like, if I hadn't... Is this W eligible this year? Yeah. Yes. If I hadn't already given away all my awards, she would we definitely still got time, get golden yeah. hand. Good news, you have time. No, but I already have plans. I've had plans since last year. We'll see. You're given a run for golden ham though, Lizzie, and I fucking love it. Um, Expect more results on that in uh, give or take a couple months. I know, right? Um, I just when we feel like putting it out, you'll know <laughs> when everyone gets stressed out. Um, I just, I, I loved the evilness of it. I loved the soap opera aspect of it. The acting was like, it did it for me. Like, I love the evil parts of it because, yeah, like the parts where Mio is by herself or like in the house with grandma, like I was getting kind of bored, but then they brought up the drama and their performances matched it. And I was very very happy every time I saw them on screen, even though like they did some pretty fucked up shit. Like who kidnaps people? Come on now. Let's go. That was weird, but whatever. Gigi, you can't say you can't say that's fucking weird when you like a show where we talked about a show where a guy tried to keep a girl in a cage to keep her safe. Fucking miss me with that shit. (laughs) But that's an Otome game and it's got different energy. You can't blame me. 
It was fucked up. I'm not denying that it's fucked up. You're, you're simply pointing out that that is part of the appeal. I, I'd say nothing, except my <laughs> Nendroid collection will tell its own tales. Uh, anyway, loved loved this. Instead of putting that Nendroid in a jar, you put him in a He cage. comes with the background. <laughs> he comes with the cage background. I wish I'm going to get somebody to 3D print me a cage that will fit that Nendroid. And I'm going to love it. This show is too good and cute that I'm not even going to continue to acknowledge the whole jar comment. Oh my god. Anyway, everybody was great. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, Erica Schroeder also, you know, brought the big Melrose Place energy, so I was enjoying it. I just, blah. It's a lot. It's a lot of. It's a lot of drama, and I'm here for it. Richard Tatum is a very good, very cruel, cold, indifferent man. I, and I, I put for his note the daddy I did not want. He's <laughs> oh, the he is the daddy you never want, and is definitely not the daddy that Mio deserved. Well, technically she got that at Grandpa, but we'll get to that later. Ooh. Um, but uh, no, I th- I think Richard's got a very good, subdued but very like coldly evil. Erica Schroeder is, oh man, she is going for it. She is, you're right, she is going for the whole soap opera thing. And it's absolutely deliciously evil in every way, shape, and form. She's a very talented actress, been around for a long time, but girls still got it. I know Lizzie Freeman has a lot of very sweet, cute characters. She She's a very versatile actress, too. Like, she's Trish, who's actually kind of, like, a cool badass, gets to be a cool badass in JoJo. But, like, I know her for a lot of very cutesy-type characters. Like, one of my surprise favorites last year was her performance as Chisato in Licorice, who is just this delightful bundle of joy and lesbian energy. And it's just, like, ah, precious, precious cinnamon roll. And now she is also Pomni, the, uh psychologically tormented clown girl which that's a, that's a trip in and of itself so see her be the uh, audaciously cruel vitriolic bitter trauma t- trauma girl that is kaya is a treat i did not know she could go this evil and holy shit is she selling all of it inspired choice absolutely delicious well, well done, Lizzie. Good fucking job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on. I mean, I, mean, I, 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 I think I, I said my yeah. piece about the same words already. Okay, cool. <clears throat> Let me go then. Yeah, fuck these bitches. <laughs> um, fuck them hard. The the fact that their family home was burnt to the ground was in fact symbolic. Yeah. Yeah, because they destroyed... It, it is symbolic in the sense that they destroyed all of the mementos that Mio had of her mother. And in the end, it was their own selfishness and hatred of Mio and her happiness that ruined their lives. Technically, they already destroyed the mementos of her mother. All she had was a stump, so she didn't really have much to lose at that point. Well, no. It, it, it's it, Yes, but it's it's in a karmatic way they got what they deserved. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Richard Tatum as as the head the head of the family is 
God, he is so awful. Fuck, fuck you, Sunichi, you piece of shit. Um, there's just that level of indifference to his daughter's own suffering and the preparation of it. And to me, I think one of the most telling things about him, and you can tell this in both his and uh, Erica's performances, Kaneko, is that the most upsetting thing that actually happens to them, I don't even think is burning their own house burning down. Because their idea of that is to just basically shunt Kaya. Like, they make her technically take all the blame. Like, they, they kind of leave her to the worst fate. They just, oh no, we have to live in a house in the countryside. Oh, I didn't even think oh, of that. No. Yeah, they basically like, we're going to make our yeah, daughter like, the working horse because we're not going to do it. Yeah, we're not going to fucking do that. No, to me, the thing that upsets them most in the whole story isn't even their house burning down. It's Kudo telling them to apologize. Literally just going up to them being like, all right. It's cool. Uh, it's, yeah, no, we'll pay your dowry, her dowry, but if you don't fucking apologize her, you ain't getting shit from us. Bye. And he's more mad. And then, of course, also, he's more mad at the idea of Kudo going to get her back than he is that she even got kidnapped or might be getting tortured. Or in the fact that, like, they fire the one person who's ever defended Mio that was played by Mila Lee. Like, fuck this guy. And Shinichi only caring about children if they can give stuff to him is such a telling thing. Because, like, it's like we were talking about before when uh, Gigi was talking about how indifferent he sounded as if he was going to the store to get milk about, you know, just, like, impregnating Sumi to the point where she was just going to be a baby factory. Like... Richard had it all in that performance, and Erica had the most demonic anger that you could feel in every moment of just her finally getting pushed to the brink where Mio isn't going to take her abuse anymore. And, like, fuck her. Erica does a great job, Lizzie does a fantastic job, and I, I genuinely do think that uh, it was brought up with Koji, I really love that moment where... It, where not only does Koji tell her that she needs to move not because of anything that she can do, because she's basically worthless to everybody in truth, but because Mia does it, her reaction to Kudo just telling her like that she's a piece of shit. And she's like, but why don't you want me? I'm actually good. And you see her trying to be like fake sickening sweet, but Kudo can see right through her fucking bullshit. And it's in that moment you realize for sure why Kudo is in love with Mio, even if he hasn't 100% said it. It's because that man has probably had to put up with Kana, with Kaya after Kaya after Kaya. Kaya would have never actually loved Kudo for the man that Kudo is, because Kaya is incapable of loving people for who they are, like her father is. She's only capable of loving people for what they can give her. Yep. So, fuck that bitch. Uh, I do feel <laughs> a little weird that her punishment is ba being made to be a servant. It, it feels very much like she's not actually going to learn anything. And I kind of hope, I don't know if the novels ever actually go into what happens to her or if she's just like put on a bus for the rest of the series. I am, am yep. imagine they'll get into it later, but it very much seems like they're going for the walk a mile in somebody else's shoe approach. Yeah. Alright, so moving over to our next major set of characters, they are the Kudos, 
and the the kudos, the grotesquerie defense force, and the Suriki family. Uh, over in the Kudo house, we have Yurie, who has been the Kudo's head of family maid for years, and she's watched over specifically Kyoka Kudo for the most, and basically is like his second mom or his grandma. Uh, she is this very nice, sweet old lady who helps really bring out the best in Mio, as well as Hazuki Kudo, who is uh, Kyoka's older sister, who is a divorcee who's into very much kind of the more Western style Dean trends, and she helps uh, Mio become, quote unquote, a proper lady. Over at the barracks, we have Yoshito Goto. He is kind of uh, Kyoka's second in command and this very kind of obnoxious subordinate guy that works under him, and he's a lot of the comic relief. I love him. And th- Yeah, he's a good boy. He's a dumbass, but he's a good boy. Then we have Masahi uh, Okaito, who is kind of uh, Kyoka's head of command and talks to the emperor a lot, or rather the emperor's son. Shout out to Kaylin Ki. Um, he's kind of there for like the last arc and kind of plays a a role in that. Then we have Yoshiro Suriki. Yoshiro Suriki is Mio's maternal grandfather and father of his her mother Sumi. He is the head of the Usaba clan, a secret clan of... Uh, basically, they are the ones that kill the people with powers if they get too big for their britches. They're basically black ops. Yeah. He is a very nice man who realizes regrets in his life. And then there's Arata. Fuck him. I love him. I'll fight uh, for him. <laughs> I, knew I knew you. I fucking knew it! <laughs> um, oh my god. Arata, Arata is... is Mio's cousin, who all he wanted in his life is his Ubasa, Ubasa uh, duty, and that is to protect Mio, and he was basically going to keep her locked in there as the dream weaver girl, and eventually, quote-unquote, play her husband. Get the fuck out of here, Habsburg. He basically has no purpose in life, and he wanted to put all of that insecurity into the Mio he thinks she is. Among other things. Um, oh, God! I would also like to- Oh, God! <laughs> Shut up. Uh, also, Gigi, I would like to point out to you that, man, doesn't Arata totally kind of sort of look like uh, Otori from uh, uh, Utapri? Yes. <laughs> Otori <laughs> Uta. Oh my fucking god. Wow. Holy <laughs> shit. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I I love that as much as Gigi. It is so fun doing stuff with you because it, I love that there's just a character that I'm going. Megan and I are just going to spend a lot of this time talking shit about. I'm expecting Amon too, and you're like, oh my god, best boy. I love him so much. Man, you know I was let down by Camu. Fake, fake. That's Camu. why. That's why he's mine, baby. Glasses, coon. You bitches, stay off. You can have him. No, there's yeah. no fighting here. He's all mine. It's fine. All right. So playing these characters, Yuri is played by Karen Huey. Uh, Hazuki is played by Felisa Angel. Goto is played by Cedric Williams. Uh, Masahi is played by Joe Hernandez. Yoshiro by Mike Pollock. And Arata by Ryan Colt Levy. Shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> we'll get Bullshit. there. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get there. there. Uh, Karen Hui, you'll know as characters such as Shin O Kim in The Great Pretender and Shadow Karu in Summertime Rendering. 
Um, she also was in the Ghost in the Cell 2 Innocence movie in the anime stub. Huh. Uh, doing Cantonese. Huh. Really? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, look that up. Uh, play Felicia Angelio knows characters such as Arte and Arte, Kohaku and Dr. Stone, and because at least three of these people have been on this episode and I have to always think up my favorite video that was ever made, Talarna Exerta and Copcraft, title of my sex tape. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I don't even know if I can find that video anymore, but that was such a great, uh, idea to make that with, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Hold on a second, I think we have it pinned. Oh my god. Do we actually? I might I, have it pinned on my Discord. Uh, I think we I have do have We do have it pinned in general! Yes, because Jackson downloaded the video. God bless you, Jackson. We love you, buddy. I I will... Look, I'm not sure if I'm going Oops. to go to it, but I will house you so you can get to see your auto concert live. <laughs> anyway, oh sorry for that. Uh... Cedric Williams, you'll know as ser- characters such as Joseph and Elamon, Dawn in the Promised Neverland, and Senjuro Rengoku in the Demon Slayer franchise. Joe Hernandez is uh, Tak uh, Takashi Safa in Forest of Piano, Rei Mikazuchi in Kengen Ashura, and Daruk in Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Uh, Mike Pollock, aside from being Doctor Eggman, is characters such as the Father and Canon Father, Kudo in The Great Pretender. And Deus Prometh and Promare. We already talked about Ryan Levy's uh, resume, but if you also need to know, uh, he likes California girls in Chainsaw Man. <laughs> okay. So, there's kind of like three subsections you could go with this one. Which which is the path we should walk first? I mean, do we want to rip the band-aid off? Uh, yeah. Yeah, fuck you, Arata! Okay. No, he's the best. <laughs> no, now. he's the worst. I mean, he is the worst, but he's the best for me, so... Okay, fuck it, alright. Fuck both of you. Bullshit, Ryan Colt Levy! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah! Like, I don't like to give away my dubbies early, but that man just got voice acting black magic for just Arta. Holy shit, my guy! Like, the fact that I know he's <sighs> Kaz- Like, Kazushi is a lot more of what I associate with Ryan as an actor. Because it sounds like jazz! It's not- Oh my- Oh my god, you're right. Oh my god, you're- Yep, he's- yep, that's a hundred percent- Oh my god, I didn't even piece that together! I'm ashamed I didn't piece that- Oh my god, that is just his jazz voice from Irimakun. Hey, Amon, have you ever just realized that sometimes doing episodes with the two of them is just sitting back, throwing dynamite, and watching it go? Yeah. Christ. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, like, I-, I know Ryan is an incredibly versatile actor and has played a lot of different sounding characters, but this is still really impressive. This is still a really impressive one because he's basically playing what I can only describe as like he is the sleazy salesman. He's the sleazy salesman. He or like the the very duplicitous lawyer. Like he'd be on suits or like a show like that. That's what Arata would be. He's that level of slime ball. He's very presentable, he's very casual, but he's very, like, black-hearted and vitriolic, and in fact, kind of a little cruel because he's so insecure about his own place in the world. I've dated, like, six of those. I love him. 
I'm just going to ASMR the rest of this episode. But holy <laughs> shit, though. Like, Arta is a tour de force in that he really is just a good, sleazy salesman while also being this very, like, cruel, insecure person that really is the biggest thorn in the side of the romantic relationship. But holy shit, Ryan's really fucking good as this piece of shit. It's really good. Like, he came out of nowhere. Arata kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, here we go. I got a thing for Glasses Coons sometimes, but, like, not all the time. They, But this one, like, he kind of dressed like a butler. I was like, this is hitting all my points. And then he turned evil. And I was like, please, God. <laughs> like, you guys, he was just so nasty. <laughs> I love it. I, I How can you not love it? Like, I just, like, he had, like, a goal, but it was a very weird goal. And I don't know why anyone would spend all of their life's purpose trying to hit, like, the bird in a cage weird goal like that. Like, that's not my style. Like, I'd be, like, off running trying to do something else. But this was what he wanted. And at one point in time, I thought he was giving me very amnesia toma in the cage energy. And I was like, all right. The the word the word of media for recent years is generational trauma. And a lot of my happy marriage is about familial generational trauma. Where it's very clear that Arta's deal is that his family is lauded as being important. They are lauded as being, like, the the unappreciated defender of Japan. Where it's like, the world will never know your name, but you will know your sworn sacred duty to your emperor and your country. That is what you are destined to do. And he's had that, like that vision ingrained in him, despite the fact that his grandpa's like, I will still love you anyways. You just have to be who you are. But he's like, no, I need, I need a goal. I need to be the sword protector. I need to be the last line of defense. I need to be important. So he just inflicts all of that insecurity and importance to Mio as like, you are the most special. You are the sacred priestess. I must defend you. I must fuck you. I must precious precious it's it's like it literally is it's like Gollum yeah oh god I like it big Gollum energy but like yeah that's the whole thing where it's like Mio doesn't Mio doesn't need to be the Mio just needs somebody to appreciate her as a person she doesn't need somebody the whole arc basically the the show's in two halves the side of the of Mio's life that doesn't value her and considers her worse than common dirt. And the other side of her family, which basically considers her the super special chosen one. You are all powerful, all important. We need to, we need to blossom your talents. We need to polish that gemstone. You're so important. You will save the world. And it's like, she doesn't care about either of that. She just wants a man who will love her and tell her sweet somethings. I agree. However, I am glad that Arata and Ryan Colt Levy, Levy, Levy. I, I think it's Levy. I think it's Levy. Levy, Mr. Ryan, that Mr. Ryan brought this level of like 
passion and obsession to this character because like oh my god it was so funny he was like i'll fight you for her and then fucking low rent camu bought a knife to the gunfight he fucking pulls out a pistol and i was like the fuck you love a good sword versus gunfight and you know what i that was a pretty good good sword versus gunfight like i just i really appreciate that level of energy because once the the mean evil stepmom the evil stepsister the evil daddy went away like there was really nothing to bring that drama in and it was cute and i i realized that you know romances need to have the cute little moments and the we're going to do whatever but i'm here for the roller coaster and that brought me up to the highs and the lows of the roller coaster and it needed it. And this is why I said at the beginning that the point where he was like, fuck it, go back to low rent Camu. I was like, what? Did I blink and miss something? Did I fall asleep? Because of that level that Ryan had brought to his performance for the whole thing. And there was something in the source material, in the directing, in the writing, whatever it was. You're like, was he, like, no, he shouldn't back. be backing down. He should be... Yeah, he shouldn't be backing down. This is what he wanted his whole life. What was the little spark plug or the little, like, candle putter outer thing? What is that called? Do you know what I'm talking about? When you put out the candle with, like, I that think bell? That, I, think thing that, I think the thing that, that put out the candle was realizing that holy shit, she just awoken to her powers for Kudo and she would never do that for me. I just I wanted I wanted to hear that and I wanted to see that more. Like it just it I got you. I, I missed it. I missed the moment. Oh, I got what you're going for. The, yeah. snu- the snuffer. I missed the snuffer moment. Oh my god. But uh, oh my god, he was great. And mm, like remember when I talk about David Wald and he brings like that evil manic dilf energy. Now Arata does not have children and is not a dilf. But he brought it. And I was like, oh, oh, David Wald Jr., you're good. I like Ooh, this. Because the only, that's... the only other thing I've ever heard him in that I can recall, other than when we talked about having the nice headshot, was him in that My Hero movie, which I didn't talk about on podcast. I can't remember anything else that he's done that I've seen, but I know I've talked about Chainsaw him before. Chainsaw Man? What? Oh, wait, no, you were not. Have you seen Chainsaw Man? No. Have you seen... Gigi, I am going to make you watch my love story. He he does play like a good best friend character in that. I promise I will make you watch my love story. My love story? Oh, oh, I've seen uh, my love story. No, oh, Yama, oh, oh, Yamada 999. I hate... Oh, okay. I love that show so much. I hate the fact that it has two titles of other romantic comedy animes in it. It has My Love Story, oh. and it has Yamada-kun, and it's, they're both in the same show title. Jeej. Yes, ma'am. Have you watched um, Moriarty the Patriot? No. Okay, Ryan's in that as Watson. Saint's Magic Power is omnipotent. One episode, so no. Did you watch watch Love of Kill? No. Gigi, I am going to force you to watch things with Ryan Colt Levy. Okay, look. Do you have 60? I, only, I want them if he does David Wall Jr. energy, though. Gigi, he's in Prince of get... Tennis. He's in Prince of Tennis. Oh, I'll get there then. He's a guy with glasses. He's a guy with glasses oh, guy? in Prince of Tennis. I will. This is the guy he plays in Prince of Tennis. He's also a anyway, shitty well, guy with glasses. Anyway, while we do that, he was great. Um, I'll shut up. 
No, you're good. I was going to say, what you two have for a tennis freak out? Amon, how do you feel about him? Ryan's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 Arata, Arata's a lousy dude, but like, uh, I... Kudo oh, damn. and Mio are very cute together. But it works because they have to overcome something. So some asshole coming in here to try and be a problem is exactly what I want out of the story. So, Yay. Do, like, what a what a rotten. Dude. I feel like um, I just watched you and Gigi do the Sig Curtis Armstrong like bro fist thing. <laughs> I I I want soapy melodrama in my romance stuff. That's, that's not right. like, strictly comedic. That is what I like out of it. I've been I've been watching Kodocha recently, and half the fun there is what like uh, over the top like shojo like drama nonsense they come up with. That's half the fun. Um, yes. Same kind of thing here. I want them like it. It's sweeter at the end if they have to overcome obstacles like a love rival, etc. Um, I also just like Ryan's performance. He is very slimy. I do agree that like his turn felt a little too fast. Like it 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 felt like it needed a little more time to really like cement but i don't think it was poorly done um i don't remember if i made this up or this is something established in the show my recollection is part of the deal with the um sarukis is that like you know they're the people behind the scenes who protect japan from you know yeah power users but also that doesn't really happen anymore like they've kind of hit this point where like yeah they still engage in all the shadow bullshit but they don't do anything and i feel like hard pa a lot of arata's issue is that the main thing he's been trained to do doesn't happen, so he just obsesses over all the tertiary bullshit because it's all he's got. He, he's yeah. he's obsessed. He's, he's obsessed with the bygone glory days that really don't happen anymore. Yeah. Except for except for when he shows up, the bygone glory days are happening. But we'll get that when we talk about Kudo. Right. Um. I don't. I, I just found that very like. I, I I like a lot of how this show kind of like addresses like you know your parents and forebears make decisions and now you have to just navigate that good luck buddy um like I, I i i thought the the execution was a little rushed but it did like that character arc of just like wow like i maybe i don't need to obsess over this maybe i actually don't need to do this maybe i don't need to do that <laughs> maybe i'd be happier if i stopped a lot of the more miserable characters in this show are the ones that are basically burdened with the concept of legacy of family and name yeah now that i think about it yeah yeah. yeah also, mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. I'm on you first. No, I, I, I had a, I had like a final point. You go on. No, you first. I was just gonna say I like seeing my boy win. <laughs> and by my boy, I mean Ryan. I like you, Ryan. You're, you're like, yay, Ryan! <laughs> Fuck off, Arata. No, well, no, yeah. I want Arata to be there because he's a complication character. Yeah, no, like I want Arata to be around because he's he's an interesting complication to Kudo. But I think the thing that really gets me, and I'll also use, I think. Uh, everybody else kind of says stuff about Arta, and I'll use my point about Arta to lead into talking about Mike Pollock's character, okay. is that um, the thing about Arta that really stands out to me is that he is supposed to be this foil to Kudo, but the biggest thing is is that I, I like the parts about Ryan's performance where you can tell how much he's projecting his own anxiety and fears onto things, uh, especially to Mio, is when he talks about how Kudo is being abusive towards her. And that despite he's all doing like, oh, I want what's best for you, da-da-da-da-da, and Mio's trying to... He literally just doesn't listen to Mio. Ever. And Mio's like, no, this is what I want. This is what I chose for myself. And there's this, like, tone of voice in Arata's... In Ryan's performance of Arata that basically feels like 
it, it's basically the akin to shut up, I know what's better for you, just shut up and be quiet, which is in itself its own formal way of abuse. It's And it's something that's brought up very well by Mio later on, is that uh, she talks about being, uh, that even though she's not in the Saimori's cage, she's now just in a different one, and a gilded cage will always be a gilded cage. And one of the things that really stood out for me is that Arata even denies letting her wear something that makes her comfortable. Mm. And and when you think about that, that's like, like a lot of this show has been about not only Mio reclaiming her own happiness, but Mio reclaiming her own agency. Oh, yeah. And the thing in Ryan's performance that you can really tell is that he is a character who I I think is, like you've all said, he projects his insecurity so well, and that's really been in Ryan's performance. And I think part of it also stems a bit from Mike Pollock's performance as as Grandpa, as a Yoshiro, because I genuinely I think one of the best scenes in the show is where Yoshiro is talking to Mio about Sumi and about her, her his mother and how he, you can hear the pain in Mike's voice as he talks about how he regrets uh, the last days with Sumi and that he was very much the errata to her, even though they were father and daughter. It was that she he kept denying the the Samori's request because he could see the writing on the wall with the Samori's. He he didn't want to forsake Sumi for the sake of the family. He thought he was doing what's best, but Sumi decided that she needed to save the rest of the family, kind of in the same way that Arata decided he needed to save the family. So they they left on horrible terms and lost contact with her. And then, of course, she had Mio and then died after. And there was no way for him to ever say goodbye to her properly in her death. And Mike's delivery of the line of, I lost her before she even died. Is so powerful. And, like, there's such a gentle heart to this. And you can see that he wants the best for Mio, but I he doesn't even himself think he can stand up to Arata out of fear of losing him, I think. And it's one of those very small performances that has such a big impact, and I really want to compliment Mike's work on that. God, Mike Pollock is a, is a fucking incredible actor. Like, obviously, like, Dr. Eggman is an iconic performance of his, but man, Mike is a iconic actor in his own right really talented performer and Mm -hmm. like playing what is basically like a soft weary man with so much guilt but still love in his heart to share it with somebody who he really feels kindredship with like you can tell that that love for mio that he had for sumi is still ungenuine and unconditional his own he, the the big thing with him is that he learns to let go of what he feels the duty of their family is and it's like whatever you choose to do wherever you choose to go you will always be in my heart and it's like man man that's some good shit that's some good shit Mike's so fucking good mm-hmm. uh Amon and Gigi he's a good grandpa 
I don't have a t- I don't have a ton to say. Like at first, I thought that maybe he was like putting shit on Mio. Like I couldn't tell if he was a good dude or not. But the way mm. that you guys are explaining it, it made it a little more clear to me. So my point is invalid. You know, okay. I I definitely spent a lot of it. It's like, so why did your daughter leave exactly? Because you haven't really talked about that. And it's making me suspicious. And then it turns out it's like, oh, okay, you're not like a a lousy. Uh, patriarchal figure. Okay, all right. You seem cool. It's it basically the whole arc is that he lost his daughter because he was still too headstrong and proud about being the patriarchal protector that he didn't allow somebody in his family to take one for the team, and he couldn't accept that, and then he lost her forever. And that I think also in a more grander sense, it's he denied her the choice an agency or didn't uh, didn't respect it and that's why he lost her and i think that's the big reason why aruto would never win against kudo which is we'll talk about it a little bit a bit more than kudo but the one time kudo like actively yells at mio and says i shouldn't have let you do something he instantly takes it as if that is the worst thing he has ever done in his life. And that man literally blew up someone's front gate. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Arata thinking he's doing nothing wrong and doing what's best. But in the end, he realizes that Mio kind of becomes the best Mio that she can be. Not because of his protection of her. Or even uh, Kudo's protection of her. It's her protection of herself. But we'll get to that with Mio. So let's talk about fun characters. You want to talk about the the good boy Goto? Yeah, we can get through these really quickly. Uh, I think Joe Hernandez does a good job as the very, like, tall, standoffish... He's he's very military uh, affirmative, yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot there. Cedric Williams is chewing the scenery every chance he get he can get his. I love that little son of a bitch. He's such a little shithead, and you can tell that like you can tell Kudo actually really likes him, despite the fact that he's very cold and is like, "I am going to kill you." You can tell their relationship is busting is busting his balls. But he still, like, likes and respects him. But Goto's just a good boy? He's just a good boy, and he is also the wingman that is pushing this relationship along? Because he's just like, oh, wow, Commander! Oh my god, your fiancé is so beautiful! Oh, she's such a stunner! God, I wish my I had a wife as pretty as you! And you can tell, like, he's... He's not, like, Kudo's not sure why he's getting more irritated, but he's recognizing that he's irritated, and it's like, ah, Goto, Goto, you're pushing those sails along, buddy. You keep at it, my boy. I love you. And then... Blows. Blow, Goto, blow. God. And then, like, when he gets drunk, it's like, oh, Mio, you're so good. Please. Ditch this sad sack and marry me. And she takes it very seriously. It's like, I'm very sorry, sir. I I humbly deny your requests. And then he's just like, oh, well, I, I feel bad now. I wasn't, I wasn't, oh, I'm sorry. And then, like, you just see Kudo just fermenting in rage. And it's like, ah, he's, he's getting it. He's getting there. He's getting there. 
but like Cedric has just this very charming, like, like goofy, like busting your chops kind of guy at work. But also teases him when, like, Kuda yells at him. He's like, Sir, sorry, sir, I am going back to my duties. Very well. He's a good kid. He's a very good kid. I like him a lot. I think Joe's fun, too. He does a good job for what this military man needs. But I think Cedric is delightful. Absolutely charming and just, just good, good boy. Good little shit-eating grin boy doing his very best. Like, the show is not directed in a way that it's very comedic, if that makes sense. Like, like, like you know how, like, a lot of, like, shows that, like, are comedy and drama, like, their comedy sections are, like, go very chibi? This doesn't really go chibi. I feel like if this had comedic chibi moments, uh, Goto would have, uh, cat ears and, like, the kitty face. Like, he's got that level of, like, the cat that knocks over stuff off the table because he's trying to get your attention and rile you up. And that's exactly what Cedric brings to the table. Well, I'm glad he doesn't have cat ears. Um, I would like to point out that in the Japanese, this is voiced by Hiro Shimono. So if you're playing the Let's Match Udapri game, that's show. Baby show. He also plays Momo in One Piece as a grown-up, the dragon and the grown-up Momo. So, And he is also... Uh, Baby Pikachu Swordsman in Demon Slayer. Hiro Shimono is? Yeah, that's yes. uh, Zenitsu. Oh shit, I don't watch Demon Slayer, so I have no idea. But uh, I love this character. I thought I needed comic relief in my life, and Cedric does a great job. Just sounds so playful. Um, just needs to, it needed to, it needed comic relief. I love how he plays around with Mio. So cute. Such a good breath of fresh air in like a serious 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 like drama i loved it um i don't remember who the other guy is i have i said some soldier guy question mark no clue don't know who this is i must have blanked out so maybe there was a part of this where i fell asleep i don't know don't know who that guy is that's all i really have to say about them he, i just he's wanted to prevalent in a lot of like the actual like fighting of grotesqueries and we're almost two hours into this recording and i have not talked about how fucking funny the term <laughs> grotesqueries is grotesque grotesties oh my god grotesqueries is such like like I, I love like specific nouns for like your fantasy universe where it's like we call them the unliving or we call them the walking corpse where it's like we can't call them zombies we can't call them ghosts we can't call them yokai or whatever so we came up what guess what what grotesque's nuts in your mouth oh shit she got me fuck (laughs) is is that what is that a translation or is that actually what they call them in the japanese that's what they're actually called okay that's cool i i didn't realize that so yeah they're called grotesque Grotesqueries? Grotesqueries. Grotesqueries. That's Grotesqueries. That, that's what we want for all of our trans men homies out there. We want you Grotes- to have grotesties. Oh my god. Oh my god. Trans rights. <laughs> trans rights, motherfuckers. <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, are you okay? <laughs> 
Oh shit, I broke him. <laughs> what the fuck? It's a very serious Sunday here on Dota. Uh, um, I'm pleased okay, to we had a very serious discussion earlier, so fuck it. Let's have a little levity and just talk about... Look, it's just such a funny, ter funny term. Grotesqueries. It's so... It's so meaty to say grotesqueries. A lot of effort went into that. See, this is funny because I use that as a descriptor a lot. <laughs> grotesqueries? It's a handy word for like, ah, oh, this is grotesque, but it sounds fancy. Le grotesqueries. You're Gro what the French, French call les incompetents. This is what a high this is what a high end Frenchman of society is going to say to the gross peasant on the on the streets. They're not just gonna call them grotesque, they're gonna call them a grotesquerie. I think that's also a, the technical name for a gargoyle on a cathedral, a grotesquerie. I think you're correct. Oh yes. that's cool, I didn't know that. Yes. Man, a lot of people back in the day wanted to uh, have Goliath's grotesqueries in their mouths. <laughs> I'm be over here eating my Alaska Diva chocolate and just yeah, I'm, praying. Let's see, do I? I don't, anyway, I don't think... I'm on. Go ahead. Go Joe ahead and Cedric. Joe and Cedric are very nice. Cedric's very funny. He is. He's a very good, annoying best friend type person. Um, I also confess I have a hard time remembering which of the miscellaneous military dudes is Joe. I keep wanting to say that he was the. He's like, the one with the scar above his eyebrow. That's really not that going was... to help me. I'm he, he, was the one, he was the one hanging around with uh, the dude looks like a lady emperor. Okay, I, th I I know who you're talking about, then, but the one who keeps popping to mind is just, like, the, like, undercover, like, informant that he... That oh, he no, we're, we're, we're not... Know, which we're is not him, obviously. We're not talking about him, but he, he at least has a fun presence of just being kudos, private eye. Yeah. Um, like, Joe, Joe turned in a good performance. Like, it, you will get these in these kind of shows of, like, your, your role was not necessarily, like some big flashy standout, but you did what you needed to do for the character, and I, I, I think that is commendable. You you need that in certain shows. He's fun. Cedric's very funny. Yeah, I like uh, I like in the last episode when they're waking up and everybody else is just so, like, kind of softly, oh my god, are you okay? And then there's Cedric, Captain! That's a good boy. Did good anybody boy. else oh. channel the Wizard of Oz in that moment? And you were there, <laughs> yes. and you, you, but I missed you most of all. Te technically, nobody. Technically, they weren't there, but she was there in her own dream, and we'll get to that. <laughs> and also, somebody might have morbed. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I like Cedric a lot. I, I, Cedric is actually one of those actors who I'm like, please just make this man a lead in a fucking anime already. Um, I like a lot of his stuff that I've heard. I, I liked him a lot as Dawn in The Promised Neverland back in the day. So I was very happy to see him here. Uh, Alright, let's talk about Yuri and Hazuki before we move on to Mio and Kyoka. Uh, I love I love Hazuki. She's hot. Um, Hell yeah. I love Felicia's uh, attitude with her where she definitely sounds despite Kudo having a very deep voice, she still manages to sound like the older pair, older between the two of them, to me. And like with the level of maturity and refinery that she has. But it's also very clear that she's a little bit of a flirt. And I love Felicia's performance, but to me, the biggest moment for her that stands out is her talking about her divorce and how she regrets it. And I love that, like, hint of, like, soft fondness she still has for her husband or her ex-husband and how she talks about how she can't go back because she's too embarrassed to do so. 
I really loved Felicia's performance, and I really liked Karen Huey as Yurie as Yurie. I love her sweet old lady voice. It sounded very natural. There were times where it did sound a little bit hesitant, but I honestly think that she pulled it off, and it was a very nice addition to the show. I also very much enjoyed her being like, Kudo, you're a fucking idiot. She likes you. She's not gonna poison you, you dipshit. Uh, you can tell that it's like, she she's not going at it the way Hazuki would, where Hazuki's busting his balls. She's kind of like the supportive parent that's just like, Oh no, he actually likes her! Oh, he doesn't even know it yet! Oh, baby. Like, like she gives it, like he gives her the gift of the comb, and she's just like over the moon. It's like, oh, it's happening! And then he's just like, what? I thought it was nice. Bless. She's such a good grandma. No, no, yeah, they they're very good for sure. I'm really trying not to like steer the conversation away, so I'm on GG. I'm on her GG. Take it over. Sorry, I was. Uh, you don't even want to know what I was looking at. Um, <laughs> I loved Hazuki. I loved Felicia as her. Uh, why is she the best female character? Everyone can fight me. Um, I love that she dresses Western, like in Western clothes. And there's like such of a more like laid back, relaxed, like feel to her. But she's also like very hyper and kind of outgoing and she loves to do all this stuff. Like she's a party girl. Um, and you can hear it also on the writing, like how Megan was talking before about how the writing is very true to period. The dialogue with Hazuki is a little bit looser. And I loved that. I was like, oh, yes, I can relax. She, feel, she feels more Western in the adaptation even. Yes, and is she should because that's how her character is, and I I love that. Um, I also liked the voice, the tone, the acting, the dialogue. It provides a nice contrast to just about everybody else in the cast. Um, and again, I think that was something like with Cedric that was definitely needed when everybody's like serious, 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 serious period drama, and Hazuki's like, "Hello, I am here." Like, let's have a party. Let's walk with books on our heads. And I'm like, yup, I like you. We can hang and have a beer. That's cool. Um, and then I loved the big grandma energy. Um, please bake me cookies and give me life advice. I really like, I felt like just listening to her that I, that I could trust her. So I was very, very pleased with the performances for both these characters. You know, I agree. Karen just has that wonderful, like, just so, so very, so very much like a kindly grandmother who wants the best for you and will make you sweets and have good, hard-earned life advice from, from being on this earth for many, many decades. She knows what she's talking about. Um, yeah, and, and Hazuki, where's her spinoff where she has Sex in the City-style single women shenanigans in this modern world? Right? I watched that. She's I great. want Hazuki to get with Ryan Colt Levy, the the first one we talked about, the slutty brother, the I good want, boy, and not the Gigi boy. Yeah, I wanted to get with the slutty brother. I'm torn because on the one hand you're absolutely correct, and on the other, Japan would not survive. No, <laughs> <laughs> the, 
Now, it'd be great. It would be it would be a wonderful <laughs> conclusion to the country, but it would not survive. Their power couple energy would kill off of half of the hyper conservative weirdos in the in the in the government. What government? There was no government left. Everyone's dead now. <laughs> no, no, there's enough. There's Kaylee McKee is left. They're the emperor now. Yep. Oh my captain. gosh. Okay, wait. Hold on. Are they, were they in Beastars? Were they that llama? Yes. 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 I knew it. I picked somebody out. Oh my God. I'm excited. I never pick anybody out of California dubs. I was like, that sounds like the llama from Beastars. That's awesome. Dude, Kaylee yeah. McKee is a really fucking good actor. The only reason we're not talking about them because the, the emperor son doesn't get to do too much, but I guess, I, I, I guess neither does Okaido either. So yeah, giving flowers to Kaylee McKee because they're a fucking incredible actor. She's really good. Holy shit. I just raised my hand like I was in school. Like, oh my god, oh my god. Llama from Beastars. The slutty llama from Beastars, yeah. Loved it. There's so many sluts in Beastars, it's great. Do you know what a service top is? What? Hey, Lugoshi, have you ever heard of a service top? Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yeah. Dude... Oh, sorry. Is it is it my turn to talk now? Yeah. Karen Karen Hui is delightful as supportive, loving, affectionate granny servant lady. I love her, and I hope I want nothing but good things for Yuri A. She is a sweet lady. She's doing her best. She she is supporting these dumb kids trying to figure it out, and I love her. And she's good granny that we all deserve. Dude, holy shit, this is a fucking fantastic character for Felicia Angeal. Oh my god, this is a perfect character for Felicia Angeal. She is sassy, she is modern, she is trendy, but you can tell she's also very, like, genuinely affectionate and caring for Mio, while also just wanting to tease her brother, being like, Aw, you're so sweet, why don't you come home with me? You, My big brother won't appreciate that, my little brother won't appreciate that, he, he doesn't get it. And it's like, oh my god, she's so good, she's so funny. She's, but also, like, yeah, she gets some very tender, genuine drama and emotional development about, like, her divorce, which I think was a really fascinating thing for her character. I also really enjoy the term where it's like she's really trying to get Mio to notice her and like be closer and more open with her. She wants her to call her sister. I love the fact that that is a genuinely traumatic thing for Mio to call somebody her sister and that she doesn't push it too hard and she's like, that okay, that's fine. Just take it at your own pace. Don't 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 push yourself on my behalf. And yeah, Hazuki's understanding, even if she doesn't know the full picture. She's like, do not force yourself because I said I wanted that. It's fine. Go at your own pace. That's all you need when somebody's going through that is somebody to be supportive, but also willing to push you. And Hazuki is willing to push Mio, but never force her to do anything that is out of her control or out of her out of her consent either she's a great influence on mio and honestly god god t and felicia gang to work on each each other's shows is definitely very funny this year because they both they both got to direct probably some of my favorite dubs this year and they both got to be characters in each other's shows and i think that's funny 
Yeah, because Tia was a big part of Heavenly Delusion, right? Uh, yes. She's a character named Mimihime, who is at least a major enough supporting character in that to be pretty- I need to get to that show, but it's on Hulu, and Hulu's a pain in the ass to use. Man, we had a- we literally had a whole- Fuck Hulu segment? We have a whole thing about that coming soon, maybe. I'll tell- remind me about this, I'll tell you a funny story about us recording that, but later. When we're done. Okay. Alright, are we all good? To, uh, does anybody else have anything for this section? God, Felicia Ajil's really good. Glad to hear her play a really fun, delightful character as Hoski in this. I'm ready to talk about our romantic leads who should kiss and hold each other tenderly. Uh, Amon and Gigi, you're good too? I'm mm-hmm. good to go. Alright, so let's talk about our lead characters, Kyoka Kudo and Mio Saimori. Kyoka Kudo is known as this ice prince of a character. He's leader of the anti-grotesque unit and the head of the Kudo family. He is an immensely powerful special, uh, special user. He can make fire, electricity, ice. Uh, he's also fucking hot and a dork. Um, and then there's Mio. Mio is a, the Cinderella, the downtrodden abused older daughter of the Saimori's who was neglected and his skin, like, skeletal thin, pale. And over the course of the series, she learns not only how to live each day for herself, but want things for herself. And she is the maiden of dreams of the Ubisa family. She is an immensely powerful special user who can essentially tap into anyone's minds and dreams to control them and do whatever she feels like. Everybody's just really lucky that she's nice. Mm. Uh, playing Kyoka Kudo is Damon Haas, and playing Mio Saimori is Miranda Parkin. Uh, Damon Haas, you'll know his characters such as Surika and Oku the Inner Chambers, and the male voice of Shez in Fire Emblem Warriors The Three Hopes. Uh, Miranda Parkin has done a character such as Nagi Usui and Neo The World Ends With You and Hina Asagina and Akumakun, but I believe Mio was her first anime lead and big anime role. I think it was her first anime even. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, Kyoka is also Damon's first anime lead male. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's... I want to go last for Mio, if everybody doesn't mind, sure. just because I have a lot of things to say. Perfectly fair. Perfectly fine. It's also very personal, that's why. Got it. Well, I guess I'll rip the band-aid off and go first. Um, so, if you have noticed, I've been saying low-rent Camus, sorry, Camus, for those purists out there, for most of this episode, because our main dude, what's his name? I don't even remember what his real name is. Kyoka Kudo. Kudo. Looks like Camus from Oudipri, and he has ice powers, like Camus from Oudipri. And uh, that is my number one best boy of all time. We all know this. And he is mean. He is mean, and then he turns on a voice, and he is like super nice, you're an Ojo-sum, I'm a butler. Okay? So when we're like, this is an ice guy, when he was talking, I'm waiting for like the mean to come out. Oh my god. It didn't. So, I mean, I'm not like disappointed, but then I also find out he has firepower instead of like or in conjunction with ice powers. I don't know. So that's where it's like I I went in expecting a Camu and I got a Shoto Todoroki instead. I did, and I'm not mad about it because Shoto Todoroki is also my best boy from my hero. Um, 
it was just not what I was expecting. And so when I got into it and I heard the voice and I was just kind of like, huh, doesn't sound too icy to me. I'll, I'll let this sit for a little. Maybe he has to go in the freezer. Like it's going to be okay. Um, and then I realized that's not who the character was at all. So that being said, defied my first impression expectations, but it was really good. And there was a part, you know me, I'm all about the shoujo stomach drop. There was a part when Kudo was talking and um, Damien, right? Damien? Yes. Uh, Damien, yeah. Okay. I want to make sure it was Damien and not Damon. Um, they were, I think it was like in the middle and like Kudo and Mio were outside like on the porch or something. And they were like, didn't he say something like... Uh, are you lonely? You can, you, you can rely on yeah. me, basically. It yeah. was it was the lonely conversation. She's like, he's like, aren't you lonely? And she goes, no. And he's like, I'm lonely. And I was like, I fucking lost it. And I was like, that's the point. I was like, okay, I'm in. Like, this is, this is what I came here waiting for. And this is like what it was. So um, when that happened, I was just like, okay, Damien. Like, I, I get it now. Um do 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 uh he <laughs> for low rent camu he heats up very nicely but um shh. um and i i just wrote some other dumb notes there but yeah i i enjoyed it once it got past my expectation of what i thought the character was gonna be like i was like damien you're doing a bang up mm-hmm. job and this is why my taste runs more towards errata because he's mean um and then are we talking about them both at the same time or do you? Yeah, you can talk about them both at the same okay, time. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll talk about Mio really fast. Um, yeah, I just want to go last. That's okay, why. perfect. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't feeling Mio until the last two episodes. Like she's, I feel that like I understand her upbringing. I know how Cinderella stories go. Everybody shits on her. She's gone through a lot of abuse and everything is very mousy. The voice, Mio's voice in English, fit that to a T. Very mousy, not a lot of um, outgoingness, very passive, very quiet. There were little moments where I thought like she started to come into her own and like the performance started to turn a little bit. One was when she was talking to, to Koji, the candy boy or whatever, and she was like, no, I don't remember you. And he was like, okay, bye. And I was like, okay, that's, that's good. We're like getting some character development. Like we're rolling down the train. I'm surprised um, you didn't go into the outright refusal to deny the marriage in the shed. Oh, that happened. That, that's just because I forgot. And I watched that half like How the two months fuck? ago. Girl. It's okay. <laughs> I, I watched that two months ago. I watched the back half this week. So. Okay, okay, that makes more sense to me, because I was gonna be like, how did you, the person who's like, I want this shit trashy and messy and, like, full-on, like, I want to see shit going down, she's getting, like, beaten and, like, a, like nearly, like, violently attacked in the shed, saying to reject her romance, and she is, the for the first time in her life, standing up for herself and what she wants and i was like how did you forget that because i watched it two months ago <laughs> okay that makes more sense i'm less offended now thank okay, you okay good good i'm glad um 
No, I thought the turn was in the last two episodes when there were two Mios. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, um, Miranda, girl, like, this is it. Like, this is where I loved to hear her talk. I loved to hear her shine. She finally, like, got that. Mio got that boost of confidence. So Miranda was able to put more of that into her performance and her voice. And I just loved like the duplicity between the two sides of Mio herself. She and I accepted was like, she accepted her shadow self and gained the power of the persona. Exactly. Like I loved the range, the acting and the whole thing. Now I got it. I got how we started all slow at the beginning and all very quiet and like very okay and you know i just want to make him a hair tie it's fine to like the big bombastic thing at the end which was fantastic so i really love that that showed like a full arc and like the roller coaster like didn't go to like an end really because i know we're getting a season two but it like slowly went up the hill until we got like to the top and then we went like barreling down and that was like a roller coaster, like for the supernatural parts of the show, which honestly were my favorite. But I loved that part of it, that it got to show Miranda's range and it got to show Mio's arc as a character to just grow. And then here's the culmination of it. So I was very impressed by all the acting. Also, because I have no natural place to talk about this or really bring it up. I just wanted to mention, I thought it was neat that both Kaya and Mio's, uh, child selves were played by real children who were yeah. also real sisters. They, oh, I didn't know oh, they were really? sisters. I knew they were babies. They they are real sisters. If you check the A and N, I'm pretty sure it's the same last oh, that's name. That's fucking that's fucking wild. Love it. Love it. I'm going to double check to make sure I'm not talking out my ass there, but I am pretty sure that oh wait, I'm looking at the French one. Hang on. Well, I know they were babies. They were little kids. I saw the pictures. Yep. Uh, Lilla Peldon and Juliet Peldon. Juliet playing young Mio. Lilla playing Kaya. Cute. Oh, wow. That's fucking crazy. I did not know that. Wow. Good job uh, to the Uno team. Mm Mm-hmm. The more you know. That was all I had to say so somebody else can pick it up. Alon, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. I I like I like Damien's performance a lot because you, you, you can tell pretty early on that a lot of Kudo's deal is that he's clearly just he just I'm assuming for experience, he just sort of assumes people are not going to be very honest with him about much of anything. It's like he trusts he trusts grandma, he trusts his sister, he trusts his subordinates at work. I think he pretty much just assumes everyone else is get what he wants something from him or is just lying to him because that's who they are. So mm-hmm. it, it, he does a good job of presenting Damien as somebody who's clearly very reserved and not used to being open with people, but not but with enough flexibility there that when he starts to open up, it doesn't come off as too, like, it doesn't feel sudden or out of character. It's just like, oh, you're just not used to this in general. And that's why you're kind of bad at it. Um, also, it's just very cute that they're both kind of bad at romance. It's like, oh, look at you two. You're just, you've had tough lives, haven't you? Well, you'd be, you'd be happy together once you sort out all the kidnapping and ninja jutsu clone problems. That'll, that'll, that'll be very nice for both of you. Please do that. 
Uh, I, I, and I like that he's able to do, like, kind of the, the dippy romance stuff and also, like, be Mr. Like, no, I'm actually a high-up member of the military. I'm gonna go fight a monster now. Thanks. Just gonna light him on fire. That's that's normal. <laughs> I do that. Whatever. Um, he's, he's... I don't know if fun is quite how I describe it, but it's, it's a nice performance. I like him. And I and nothing else. Like, kudos to both of these people for getting just more visible work. Like, I, I have <laughs> definitely seen plenty of examples where often being a lead in something that gets any amount of attention often becomes, like, a route to, like, getting... You get more work in the future. Um... So, like, that's, that's impressive. Um, and what else? I did, I did like, like, I like Miranda's performance a lot. I do feel like, just because of the way that Mio is written, she has not less to do, but a lot, of, like, a lot of her arc is that she is a wilted flower who has been beaten down by life, and she slowly <laughs> is getting to a place where she is not that anymore. And I definitely agree with Gigi, like, the last episode where she's talking to, like, her doll alternative self was a real highlight, in part because it gave her another side of that character to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was, like, fun to see. This is this is very much one of these performances where, like, I liked this, but I think I'm even more interested in seeing other stuff that, you know, at this point she has done because, you know, stuff that she's in has come out since this show aired and also just going into the future. Um, and also I just want to shout out that, like, Miranda just seems like a really cool person because she has an original horror character she does art of on Twitter. Uh, I, which, you know, aspiring voice actors, that's a great way to get me personally to think you're cool. What? So, you know, keep that in mind. That's awesome. I remember looking up their Twitter and finding all of the art is, like, f- like pretty out there, like, freaky, like, like, horror, creepy stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is so Amon's brand. GG, the character called the housewife, which is like a, a 50s housewife, but has a little pink house for a head with the doors open and there's, like, a creepy face inside. I love it. I gotta go look. I'm not. I haven't. I haven't seen enough to know what exactly the housewife does to you, but it looks rad as hell, and I'm. I'm very into it. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, this is a. This one's a video, but this is what the what that character looks like. Is it the turkey one? Yes, it's the turkey one. Yeah, there you one. go. Perfect. Um. So like it's like I, I I enjoyed the performance a lot. I I it's one of those things where I'm a little more curious at what season two is gonna sound like because. I think, you know, the Mio's gotten, like, it feels like her first major character arc has concluded, and now we get to see, like, more of the character. And I'm curious to see what uh, Miranda does with that. Like, she clearly has, she clearly has a lot of talent, uh, and I, I am very excited to see her in just more other stuff. Yeah. For, f- for your first anime lead for yeah, both days, yeah. I will also say that I would not have... Like, they, 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 I would not have guessed this is both of their first leads. Like, they sound more honed than that. I think that it, sense. it's both probably a testament to their ability to work with something like this, as well as also a testament to Tia Ballard and the team at Iuno for definitely crafting that with them and making this as great as it is. Because I'm not going to be very dissenting either. I think Damien and Miranda are absolutely fucking incredible. Absolutely incredible. Damien's got this cold. He's like starts out being cold, but then you see him slowly warm up. And like I, 
I was gonna say, I was making the comment about the fact that, like, this whole show, the drama, is about quirk marriages. That makes it even funnier when Gigi made me realize that, yes, Kyoka Kudo is Shoto Todoroki. Mm -hmm. A character that is literally born from the concept of a forced, unwanted quirk marriage. Fancy that! Mm -hmm. Fancy that. And yeah, uh, Kudo, like, Damien's Kudo is just absolutely, like charming, kinda dorky, but very, like, emotionally available and handsome while also being really cool. While also being, like, this really cool, like, soldier fighter man. But also, god fucking damn it, is that some good fucking tender shit. I love me some tragic romances, but sometimes I also like... Sometimes you just need that good fucking sappy shit that makes you feel all doki doki and makes you want to rip your skin off by how fucking sweet it is. That's what Kudo and Mio are. God fucking damn it, they're so good. But Damien, like, absolutely impre incredible tour de force. Really impressed by him. I think more so I am impressed by Miranda for how daunting a task this was for Miranda as an actor where it's very clear that Mio is not the type of vocal range she is very comfortable with, that this is a very mousy, quiet, soft-spoken character. Also, you know what else I want to shout out? Because I don't know if you guys might be aware of this or not. Do you know who that is playing Sumi Usaba? That's, uh... No, I don't remember who that is. That is also Miranda Parkin. What? Yeah. Huh. Miranda she is she playing... Mom? She's she playing her own mom? She's yes. playing her own mom, and they wow. sound completely different. Holy shit. I love her even more now. So if... Yeah, holy shit, girl. Also, so I love yeah. this housewife plushie. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, isn't it? I love it. So yes, I love when I love when we do these episodes and like, or we talk to like these guys like outside of the podcast. And we learn like their different like side habits, like uh, the one I learned about James Cheek. Um, I'll tell you guys after if you don't remember it. Yeah, but no, like that's what I wanted to sh shout out is that like Miranda's incredibly talented as Mio, getting to develop this mousy, traumatized girl, and then developing and learning to love and forgive herself, and learn that she can want things. There are people for her, and she can, in fact, love fall in love with this man who loves her back, too. And I think that in itself is beautiful. Like, this was not an easy task for somebody who is, like, relatively new to anime, including, like, a lead character that is a very mousy, quiet girl that's out of what I understand Miranda's typical range for what is effectively like a same-day simuldub? And it's sounding fucking fantastic? Holy shit, Miranda. Welcome to Dub Talk. <gasps> yeah, he man. did the thing. I did the thing, chat. I did the thing. I want to see her in more things pronto. God damn it. Incredible. Mio, Mio's story is heartbreaking, hopeful, loving, sad, traumatizing, and... Oh my god, Miranda brought all of it. The, the whole scene of her facing, like, her shadow self is 
definitely like a career highlight for somebody who's just starting out but oh my god that's impressive work the fact that she plays sumi is equally as incredible the the trauma the drama the heartbreak of her forcefully wanting something for the first time and not backing down in the face of real and present danger from her stepmom and sister and learning to love herself it's not just that she can eat she's in love with kudo it's that she has to learn to love herself forgive herself and move forward and that's beautiful damien miranda kudos a plenty well done my turn uh i'll be probably quicker about kudo because i think a lot of people have already hit on it and i have a lot more to say about uh miranda as uh mio and that is this. It's I, I think my favorite thing about David's performance of Kudo is those moments where he lets himself get softer and be a dork. Because I, at first, by the end of the first episode, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this guy. And then I was instantly in love because I genuinely like that sense of tenderness when he lets his own walls down because there's something going on for why Kudo acts the way he does that I don't think we've 100% seen yet. We might see more in season two. Um, but to me, besides the, the, the big, my big stomach dropping moment for Kudo is when, uh, he's holding Mio after he's rescued her from the shed and kidnapping attempt. And Kaya tries to go up to him like, don't you want me? And he goes, enough with the dribble that is coming out of your mouth. And there is like no kindness, no warmth, all heat. No gas. Um, just, like, telling her no. Because in his heart, he loves Kaya. He loves Mio so much. Already. And he's willing to do whatever he wants. And then that, like, I'm lonely speech is not because he's controlling her. It's because he knows that he's not coming back to her every night when she's awake even. And he's had to see her suffer through those nightmares. And he couldn't fix it. And I love the scene after where Hazuki is chewing him out for not immediately going back and going to work. And just, like, that sadness in his voice as he says, If I missed work, Mio would take it out on herself. If somebody died because I neglected my duties, she would blame herself, and we so, both know that. That. And the fact that he... He is both wanting to help her, but he cannot always help her. And I think that's why I really like the finale of the show so much, and why it kicks so much ass, in my opinion. But Damien does such a good job as this character. And I know he sheds in Three Hopes. I haven't played Three Hopes. It's complicated. Um, not the gameplay is complicated. I, I, I physically can't bring myself to play it right now for reasons. Um, but I think that he has a bright future in more anime if he can do this well as he did with Kudo. But man, Miranda as a first time actress, I think for me that she is an instant lock for a voice actor to watch for the year let alone potentially a chance at getting a W for best drama or in the fan vote. I think to me, the thing that her, like, I think for a lot of people who, and this is going to get kind of personal, is a lot of people I saw just be like, oh, why doesn't she just stand up for herself or she's already gone from them? Why does she keep being upset? It's like, 
shut the fuck up. I don't think you've ever been in that situation. And it's always easier to look on the outside in when you're the omnipotent viewer. But the thing that I, I really like about that final performance where she's talking to herself, to the self of hers, like, we don't get to be happy. We just want to die. And she's like, no, I want this for myself, is I think as somebody else who's been in that state of depression where for a lot of your life or for a majority of your life, if you've been bullied, it's hard to get over needing to be validated by others' visions of you. That's always lingering in the back of your mind. And you're afraid to become a person, even if it's your genuine self, that might push others away. Because you're always afraid of that sense of validation. And I like that Mio gets to confront that for herself. And that she's doing it to save her husband, her, her fiance. It's... It's not him coming to rescue her or Arata or anything else. It's her saving herself so that she can save him because they bring out the best in each other. Because for as much as Kudo brings out Mio's desire to want to be a better person to be by him because he sees Mio for just being Mio. He doesn't see her as this super eugenics baby like everyone else does or some worthless piece of shit because she has no powers. Because remember, she he, fi he finds out all on his own that she has no powers before she tells him. He knows. And he still loves her and loves her for the person that she is because the Mio that he knows is a kind, humble person who wouldn't hurt him. Nor would she be malicious to anyone else. And that in... Miranda's mousy performance you see these moments of her starting to genuinely be happy but you see in how she reacts to the kindness that she's given to her and it's always very interesting to see people talk about how it's one of those things in a performance that I think a lot of people who equate good acting to ice cream a lot don't always naturally get because Mio's performance doesn't have a lot of screaming to get across this. It is all done in the way that she commands her voice or doesn't command her voice. And I appreciate that. And I especially appreciate the show as somebody who's been through bullying and had issues of self-worth. That it is Mio at the end of the day wanting things for herself. But also knowing that there are things that she's going to have trouble with. Because she's been through that and it's not always going to be easy. And I, I genuinely love that little epilogue scene where they're about to go to the party. And they both have this very dorky, shy kind of way of being around each other. And that's what makes them kindred spirits. Because they're not, they're both genuinely mis misunderstood people that found each other. And that's all I had to say. So, welcome to the party, Miranda. For Yay. sure. Well, well said. Well said, Megan. Well said. Thanks. Uh, final thoughts, everybody. This... I did not go into this expecting a... I was expecting some drama. I wasn't expecting supernatural drama, but there's some good supernatural drama in this good romantic trauma period piece show, too. And 
Bro, how the fuck did Netflix do a same-day simuldub? I, I I know we, we talked about that briefly. How the fuck did they do that? That that's, I don't know, but they should do it again. They should yeah. do it again. And, yeah, hey, Netflix, hey, guys, I know you guys are allergic to anything with a second or third season, even among your anime licenses, but, hey, you should continue to stick with this one. You motherfuckers, because... Guess what? I want to hear these people do this again, and they're really good. Tia and her team were absolutely incredible. God, <laughs> this was a very big surprise. I, I I stuck with this because I was like, hey, I should probably support the fact that this is a same-day dub, And we actually got one of those. Because remember, they did do Violet Evergarden as a same-day dub. They just chose not to air it here because... They're dumb. Netflix. Be like that sometimes. But... No, this wound up being a bigger surprise than I expected. This was a real, real shining gem of a show that I enjoyed kind of a lot. This dub, this crew, really impressive too. I enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting to. And I'm glad that, thanks to our lovely patrons, we got to actually talk about it. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. See what happens, like, with the Patreon polls and everything. Like, this is a show we probably were thinking about doing when we started it, but then it just, like, got bumped to the head of the line. Something to uh, to think about when I'm sitting here watching 100-plus episodes of Prince of Tennis. Please... Please don't. <laughs> I can't do it all in three. I don't even think. I don't even think Prince of Tennis qualifies because we're like, hey, can you cap it at like twenty six episodes? Oh, are there How rules? Many? I didn't know there were rules. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, the rules are there for safety. The rules are there for our safety. <laughs> I didn't know there was a seatbelt on the ride. So thank you, says the girl who does almost rules? every Patreon episode. Rules for our pleasure. Love it. Uh, so this wasn't what I was expecting. Uh, I don't know what I was expecting, but I definitely wasn't expecting low-rent Camu to turn into high-rent Todoroki. Uh, and not to say that that's a bad thing. Um, I guess I'm just so used to all of these supernatural shows that are out lately that I wasn't expecting a shoujo to turn into that um and I kind of you know like I went in wanting like straight up drama uh and what I got out of it was more than that and I think it went okay because I think if it were just a straight up shoujo drama I probably would have gotten bored um but I really enjoyed the dub for this I again I like to hear new voices I like to hear old voices do new things and I like to hear um people who I've really enjoyed for a while be able to pull out um, a really cool and good performance. Um, I'm glad I stuck through this because you know how I said like I watched the first half two months ago and then watched the rest of it last week. There was a reason for that. And it wasn't just that I didn't have any time, um, but it was because it hit that point and I was like, well, what else can they do? And they put Arata in the back half. And I was like, oh, yeah, the glasses, Coon. That's what they can do. Um, <laughs> so if you haven't watched this dub, I would suggest that you do, even if you did watch the sub. We all know here Shimono is a god among gods. However, give the the dub a try also. And um, I didn't know if I would be looking forward to season two. And I'm actually really 
looking forward to season two, if for nothing else, because a show called My Happy Marriage, nobody got married. <laughs> the fact true, that the fact that you didn't get a wedding and you're still I'm invested. I'm so mad. I did not get a wedding. Like that's literally. I thought this was going to be like the it wedding and like then the afterlife. It happens later. It happens later on in the in the in the novels. I okay, good. I thought like I was gonna get like some finally stop holding hands. They didn't even kiss, guys. They didn't even fucking. Yeah, I know. Fucking. I was so pissed at the ending because I was like, wait a minute. There's no wedding, and they didn't even make out. I was like, are you fucking uh, kidding me? What's uh, what's the rhyme? I love you. You love me. We won't kiss until volume three. Jesus Christ. Ayo. But it, de- oh. it, it deserved that slow burn, though. It's what AO3 oh, oh, is for. I've never heard that before, Alba. That was really I haven't either. I'll, I'll be there for you, AO3, with my Hazuki X second Ryan Colt Levy character fanfic, whose name I can't remember. Somebody Kazuki. write that and tag me. <laughs> Alba, on your final thoughts. What a delightful show. Uh, this show's like, it's really well done. I, I, I think it does a good job of being like, it's romantic, it's dramatic, it has like, more like frothy sort of melodrama stuff, but also like more grounded like, drama, drama stuff. Like, it's really, it's a really satisfying show. Um, like, I, I had, like, I brought my minor complaints to the pacing. Aside from that, I think this is really well constructed. It's really fun to watch. I think the dub's really strong. Everyone's very well directed, and they perform well. Everyone's cast well. Like, this is nice. Like, I had actually completely forgotten about the dub thing, because I everything falls out of my brain these days. It actually feels nice that a show like this is something that Netflix wanted to, like... Like, they clearly been very resistant to moving away from the binge model for their American territory stuff. And it is kind of nice that something like this, which is not, very much is not the stereotype of, like, you know, big, make a shit ton of money anime these days. It's like, no, no, this feels like something we can try this on, and it's not just to, like, chuck it to the wolves or do something with something we don't care about. We think this has legs and might actually appeal to people if we do it, like, week to week to week. It's nice. Plus, it does seem like it actually, like, critically took on pretty pretty hard yeah, yeah it's, it sounds yeah. like it's like it's done well like I, I i feel like someone there thought like no this like i i have reason to have faith in this and i want to do that and see if it will be rewarded for that and it sounds like it has i literally took yeah, a it... look i know mal is kind of a skewed metric to view <laughs> things on but i just thought it was worth noting that i that it has basically the exact same number of view of members on mal as the bleach thousand year blood war season that aired that season there you go and i find that fascinating sometimes sometimes mal is about as useful as the uh jeb memes it's it's always skewed and a little bit biased but sometimes it at least gives you a little glimpse into some things and you're like huh fascinating It, it will at least give you insight into the audience that uses mal which your opinions on that aside is something. I use Mal. Yeah. I read it at 8.5. <laughs> also, I watch Thousand Year Blood War. I'll be real. Uh, I, my final thoughts. I thought the dub of this was excellent. I think Tia did a really great job directing. There's not really a lot of weak points in the dub. 
I just think that between this and some other shows that aired in are airing right now, that hopefully the powers that be in the anime sphere start seeing that we want more shows, not only like this, but more shows that focus on actual, like, interesting female characters. Uh, because between this and a couple of shows from Fall, uh, they, they've they been mega popular, so I'm hoping that this is this is success can drive a better market towards shoujo drama or romance drama that is more female-led as opposed to male-led. And that's not me saying, like, all male-led dramas aren't good. It's like, no, there are good ones, but they also- there's also a lot of schlock that comes out that gets prioritized over this stuff, and I'm kind of hoping that this doing well shifts that prerogative a little bit. It's also very clear that different demographics have, like, different perspectives from, like, the writers and creators making them, too. Yeah. I'm just saying, I hope that this being successful and that this dub being really good shifts a- view over like how good not only that these shows can be but how good dubs can be for these types of shows because I do think a lot of times people equate good dubbing with I like to scream a lot and this was not a show that had that and I think it still has a really good dub. Well yes this was really good Netflix don't drop the fucking ball on this I know you're very wishy-washy with anime sequels that aren't by the seven deadly sins guy did you know that greed lit a fucking golf manga from him and yes like... and you can and you can rant about that later because we need to thank our patrons oh shit right yeah anyways good show thanks for having us talk about the dub thanks patrons love you uh, and our patreons include our five dollars here Michelle Travis Victor Meborita and my parents. Our ten dollar tier of Anth- uh, of our two choice pickers this time: Anthony Brown, Carly Westacow. There's also Kimwa Soup, Marissa Lenti, and Otaki Anthony. If you enjoyed what we do, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Twitch, wherever the fuck we are. We're on Podbean, Spotify, where you get your podcasts. Obviously, the YouTube machine. If you like what we do, uh, you can support us with Kofi's or that Patreon, like I listed. We have a wonderful theme song by Gabriel Pulisinelli or Ponpoco in the Distance. You can find more of their work at ponpocointhedistance.com and at Gab R. Puccinelli on Twitter, t- uh, TikTok, and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, they are awesome and we thank you for our lovely theme song. Guys, uh, whore yourselves out and Amon give us that song so that this is episode isn't longer than it is. Okay. <laughs> My name is Andrew, a.k.a. Classy Spartan. You can find me over on the Twitter at MangaMan9000. You can also find me on the Blue Sky and the other things. We'll get there eventually. Elon's going to shit the bed sooner or later. Um, probably sooner. Uh, you can also find me over on Surreal Resolutions uh, Anime News Podcast ONA, where I talk about the latest in anime news alongside our fellow Dub Talk co-host, Jet. I also play games on our Dub Talk podcast uh twitch stream we haven't played in a bit because my life's been a bit tumultuous but the next thing we're gonna play is master detective archives ring code sweet my name is Gigi. you can find me over on twitter at anime palooza and a possibly reviving somewhat dead youtube channel of the same name i talk a lot about being tired or being bored or being tired and bored and then realize that i have 20,000 anime Blu-rays to watch and then I watch Udapri Revolutions for the 400th time. Enjoy! My name is Amon. You can find me on Twitter, Blue Sky, etc. at US. 
I talk about uh, movies and comic books and music. And uh, my dusty old song for today is uh, my personal favorite love song is Let's Stay Together by Al Green, which is great, Aww. but that was a number one hit. That's not that's not obscure enough. To be <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably the only Al Green song many people know, so I'm not choosing that officially, although basically anything you record in the 70s is good. Instead, I'm going to go for a much obvious one from his 1975 album, uh, Al Green For You, Let's Get Married. Oh, it's about cute. Getting, it's about, it's about, it's about uh, you know, being both... Uh, a little, you know, excited and scared about fulfill. You know, I don't want to sleep around. I want to be with you. Let's get married. It's very good. Anyways, love that. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Uh, you can follow me at Queener Two. I'm on Twitter. You can I shit post on the rag, and I hope that everybody had a good time uh, listening to this episode. You guys were great. This was a a totally awesome episode to do. So we want to thank our patrons. Uh. All right, so uh, that's it. Everybody, go home. Wedding over. We we took the cake. I'm drunk and everything. <laughs> Somebody carry me. Okay, I got Gigi. Uh, she's cuddling her Arata body pillow. Guys, you want to drive? Uh, sure. Uh, don't mind us. Uh, we took the dowry. We just took all of it. <laughs> don't ask how we got it. We might need. Dude, that's like seven goats. Yeah, um... Yeah, so it's gonna be really cramped in the car, so get comfortable. Y'all, I'll see... One of them might bite. I'll see And the you. other one might have diarrhea, Ew. so uh, good luck with that. Oh. I told you, what? I told you to leave that one behind. What are you doing? I'll see you next he time for our boy. next Patreon episode. It'll take that long to clear out the car. And if you are gonna be a Patreon, you can put in your nominations, and then people vote on which one we should do next. So let your voice be heard, my Beep. friends. All right, we got to go before this becomes a, a goat wasteland. Good night, everybody. Love your Good night, everybody. And otaku on. Rock over Boston. Rock on, Chicago. Chicago.